Hi, this is Kaylin Smith, writer and artist of Plume Comic, and you are listening to Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast. People talking about comics, pop culture, and events. Uh, with us today, the Master of Disaster, Josh45. Sup? And CBS, which would be me. Hi. Um, let's see, today we are doing uh, episode number 134. Books that we'll be going over this episode is going to be Guardians of the Galaxy number 1, the 2020 run, and uh, Plunge number 1 from DC Comics, uh, the uh, Joe Hill imprint, uh, Kids, which is uh, from a Blaze Comics, uh, Kids number one, K-I-D-Z. Uh, then we'll be doing, uh, Pennyworth, R.I.P. from DC. And finish up with Gwen Stacy number one from Marvel. Uh, we also have an interview with, uh, Dan Connor. Uh, that we'll run at the end of the episode. Does some uh, art for, uh, Tokyo Pop. He's worked on the Nightmare Before Christmas series and done some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle stuff. So, got an interview from him, from him this week that we'll run for you. Uh, but I guess we can go ahead and start with some news. Um, Josh, anything in the news? Um, Rob Layfield's going to be drawing the Snake Eyes movie, um, comic book movie adaption, and it was terrible. Oh, I mean, the hands look weird on yeah. the sword. The rest of it looked okay. Looks rough. Yeah, I mean, the bodies and the head look look decent from what I saw, but I mean, that's kind of, I mean if somebody's been in like the business for that many years, like, come on, man. Even if you're using a little bit of, like, Photoshop type stuff, like, get it together. Yeah, I do kind of wonder about the swords, if that's the case. I mean, a dude that draws ninjas for a job, you'd think that that would be... I mean, Deadpool's all about the swords, right? Right? Yeah. Um, let's see, all this other news. Well, Dark Horse Comics has announced that they're going to have a comic, book adapt- a comic book adaption based on the original screenplay from 1980 for Predator. So this is the uh, John and James Thomas script. Uh, it's going to be a five-part miniseries, so this is going to be based off the original concept when the Predator was still like a green-looking alien thing. So that should be really kind of cool. Um, the folks that are supposed to be working on it, it's going to be uh, Jeremy Barlow, Patrick Blaine, and Andrew, Andy Owens. Uh, it's supposed to be coming out June... They're saying June 10th, so if it holds true date-wise, it'll be just about summer. Um, it should be pretty cool. I mean, they've done a couple other script adaptions, like they did the uh, Aliens 3 off the original screenplay, and that was really pretty cool. So I think that'll be neat. Nothing else, a different take on the Predator, I guess. I mean, originally it was called Hunter, so that should be kind of cool to see. I mean, nothing else the way the thing looks, right? Right. See that Domino gets skinned alive in X-Men, or X-Force number 7. Oh, that's crazy. Huh. Her luck finally ran out. I'll be damned. So I don't know what's going on with... I mean, I'm not, I won't give too many spoilers out, but... uh, uh With uh, Charles Xavier's... What is it? Krakoa? I like Ion Krakoa. Krakoa. She didn't die, but she was tortured. That's, uh... Huh, interesting. You know, the way that X-Men, at this point, they don't have any fear of death anymore, so... It's only a matter of time, because Island Krakoa was always like a, 
an island that ate mutants, and now they all live there, so that's kind of like a... That's a questionable idea. It's been a pretty interesting batch of stories, though. I mean, series-wise, X-Men, X-Force, Excalibur, New Mutants. We just had Fallen Angels end. So series-wise, I mean, there's quite a few different choices of series, and then Marauders, which I've, I've loved Marauders, but X-Force and X-Men have both been pretty... Been pretty, uh, been pretty good, actually. So I guess seven should be crazy. I guess the cause of her anti-luck is an anti-domino that's like all black with a white patch and white hair. Oh, interesting. So I'm going to see what goes on with that. So if I ruined X-Force for you, I'm sorry. Yeah. Issue seven, so we've got a minute before it comes out. I think six is still the current one on the racks. So interesting. Yeah. That's what I mean, so if I ruined it for you, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Way to go. Spoiler alert. Oh, you're supposed to do that beforehand. I didn't know. I didn't know it hadn't been out yet. I don't read X-Force on a regular basis. That's true. I just was like, talking news. Yeah. Uh, well, Marvel is uh, set to release a Daredevil annual number one from for this, this coming summer. So we're going to have, uh, I want to say it's in, I think the book's supposed to be out in May, but I don't remember. Um, but according to uh, author Chip Zardsky, it's going to change everything. Apparently, this, this story is going to be along the lines of a One More Day-like story and shape and change the even the relationship between like Daredevil and Kingpin and how that works out. So, pretty big deal, I guess, as far as like Daredevil mythos is concerned. And Zarsky's he's a decent writer. Uh, he's doing the cover for it. Um, interiors, I can't remember who's drawing the interiors, but as a thing, like if it's that big a deal and it's like that epic of a or that big of a change, it might rack on a bunch of stuff out of it. So, I don't know what that's going to be about, but apparently it's going to be a big deal for Daredevil. Tom King released a new art for an upcoming possible story featuring Batman and Catwoman, and it features two heroes locked in a warm embrace. However, the biggest takeaway from the art um, is a pregnant Selena Kyle. Right, and there's, there's talk about that either being part of the upcoming Batman Catwoman which the whole reason has been delayed is they've been trying to get to where Clay Mann's schedule is free enough to be able to draw the entire series because they want to have the same artist on the whole thing, which is really cool, and Clay's an awesome artist. So I think that would be really neat. But it's, there's a possibility it's also... Because he teased the picture on Twitter. You know how they do pregnancy pictures? You know, people are like, oh, like we're pregnant. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, like... It's all if like they get like let's say they get Oracle to take the pictures because or Nightwing you know somebody who can like just really take good pictures sure because they're like very acrobatic or tech suave they're like oh we're gonna take really good pictures of you guys for your Facebook page you know what I'm saying right so like but just saying that if Catwoman's that pregnant and that far along it's really a responsible parent to be like I'm gonna be swinging from rooftops <laughs> in my sweet costume. <laughs> What if I fall and land on my baby bump? Well, they are on the edge of a building. That's that is kind of questionable. But they're on the top of a building as That's well. What I'm saying, so just, yeah. Like I said, so unless it's a pregnancy picture on purpose, like a vanity picture, they're really bad parents. <laughs> I'm not, I, I'm, I wasn't already not justifying them being parents to begin with because I don't think Batman deserves to be a parent regardless. All he does is take young kids and then put them in harm's way. He's done okay with Damien. No, he hasn't. Well, he hasn't done okay uh, with anybody. Grayson turned well. Grayson turned out okay for the most part. Did he? I, right now, there's a rocky road there with memory exactly. loss. Exactly. That's not Batman's fault, though. Mm. It's not. It, How it, he's it, turned it, out since then is. 
Not since he could have just been like, yeah, stay in the circus and I'll just support you. You can go to like circus school. Yeah, but that would have led to him being part of the quarter. Even Tim Drake, like he's done a bad job because he like jacked up his past and his dad didn't really like, you know, like he's just been a bad dad all around. He like ruined Tim Drake. He ruined Oracle. Ruined Tim Drake. Tim made decisions himself. No, he ruined Tim Drake's past. Are you talking about this current storyline with the new Fifty Two? Okay, that's not Batman. That's Batman's fault, man. Yeah, if he would have made Tim more important, oh my god, if he wouldn't have been an egotistical jerk and been like, yeah, he might be a better detective than me, then he like would have let Tim have a better past and like not erased it on accidents. I'm gonna say that's fault, not Mm. not Batman's fault. Mm. I don't think Batman wanted any of his past to change. Didio, isn't it? However you say it, yeah. Mm, it might be Jim I, Lee's I, fault, too. I, I, mean, I, I think don't it's know. Batman's fault. And then on top of that... Oh, my gosh. On top of that, Jason... T- I got two words for you, Jason Todd. Like, that's a bad dad. But Jason's always a bad kid. He, st- he let him get clubbed to death by the Joker. That doesn't mean... like. I mean, there's some bad let, kids out there, and they just des- and they deserve some they they deserve an ass whooping, but they don't deserve getting clubbed to the noggin until they die. He didn't let that happen; it just mm. did happen. He let him be Robin. He let it happen. Oh my god, that's his fault. No, yeah, he's like, uh, oh, you stole the wheels off the Batmobile, and I'm gonna let you get clubbed by the Joker. I'll teach you a lesson. That's not how that worked. That is how that no, worked. No, not at all. Yeah, I just cut out a little bit of the middle. You cut out all the story. <laughs> <laughs> the whole middle part, but all, he all he let he let a little kid dress in bright colors and swing around and get killed by the Joker. When you say little kid, he wasn't like a little. He was like he fourteen. Fourteen. He was like yeah, yeah. That's that's little. Compa- and I know that he's your favorite superhero, he favorite. but he's a bad person. Yeah, you mean he's an embezzler? Sure, I guess he probably kind of is. Mm, we'll get to that later, but I am just saying that like he's a bad person. No. Yeah. No. And now he's got an unborn child in a woman's belly on top of a rooftop posing for sweet Facebook pictures. But it's not like they pose for a picture. It's a happenstance of seeing an image. Does that make it okay if I'm on the building? I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure why. Did they there. walk up the fire escape? Does a, preg- a woman that that's pregnant and that far along need to walk up the fire I escape? I assume that they used the bat... Wing or the elevator? I doubt they used either of those things. Yeah, you never know. That makes her a bad mom. Not necessarily making him a bad dad just because he's there too. Well, I mean, what does she have to say? She's like, if I say anything, he'll cut me out of his, like the 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 Bruce Wayne millions. Oh, she I, don't, I won't be that. able to ch- take care of my baby. She didn't care about that. Or he'll take the baby away. So I have to disagree with what he said. He's also <laughs> an abuse. He's also very abusive. Psychologically, he's an abusive person. Because he's like, I won't let you, I won't take care of you or the baby if you don't let me just take these sweet, sweet Facebook pictures on top of this building. That's not so even get a your Catwoman costume on. That's not a real thing. That's not a real thing at all. I mean, she is in the Catwoman in the Catwoman costume, but it's not like this. It's not a Facebook picture. That's not how. Well, who did they ugh. take the picture of? They're obviously posing for something. No. Is it Superheroes no. Weekly? That's not. It's not so, a real thing either. So Superman and Wonder Woman are like, oh, they look so cute. They look so adorable. Uh, you know what I mean? Not a real thing. Exactly. That's my point. Not a real They're thing. They're bad parents. That's not. No. And then Damien's going to get Superman, and he's going to act out. Why? Because he's jealous? Yeah. And he's going to yeah. act out. You know, like kind of, he might be past the jealousy phase, and he might mm, do okay. He's not. I don't know. With mean, the current situation in the world, I have a feeling he might be past it. Anyway, it's possible that picture's actually from the 8th anniversary book coming out for Catwoman, and there's a short story book that Com King did in there 
So it's very possible it's actually part of that, not part of the Batman Catwoman run. So I guess until we get there, we won't know for sure, but it is a weird thing. Yeah, insane. Out of control. Uh, they made another announcement that uh, apparently Doc Savage is on his way to a possible TV series uh, by Sony and Original Films. Which apparently, back in 2013, they talked to a good old Dwayne The Rock Johnson about playing Mr. Doc Savage in a movie. And something got that sidelined, and so now at this point, it's in development for a TV series. Probably not with The Rock, but. Hopefully not. He's kind of playing everybody right now, and it's yeah. like he needs to chill out just a little. I love The Rock, but chill out just a little bit. You know, with all of his uh, Black Adam stuff, I have a feeling that there probably wouldn't be time to play both parts. So He's doing, like, Jumanji, Fast and Furious, Black Adam. Yeah, his Fast and Furious stuff has ended, though. Like, the no, Hobbs and Shaw, was, he's not part of the new film. Yeah, he is. The Fast and Furious, Fast 9? He'll be in Fast 9. Oh, be damned. Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's already a thing. Like they, huh. him and Vin Diesel kissed and made up. Like it's like a third. That's crazy. No, it's like that was just a one, that was just a one off. Like Hobbs and Shaw, I thought was to end his contract. No. Huh. I'll be damned. Interesting. But yeah, Black Adam. He just does everything right now. Well, he's and he's like, in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Good for him, but still. He's a people champion. That's why. You know, he needs to be in. You know, he'd be really good in. Huh. He's like um. Like a Rocky Four style rock, like like Creed, the Creed version, but like the he'd rock. He'd be played. the Clubber Lane. No, would he be Hogan? He pl- Hogan. Well, yeah, in, in Rocky when he fought. No, Hogan. he'd play. He'd play like the Russian guy, but like a different. Oh, just a different. Okay. I mean, he's gonna play Black Adam, so he's all mid- Middle Eastern. So he'd play like an Iranian boxer. All right, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I can see that. Because Black Adam's supposed to be Egyptian, so like it's Middle Eastern. I yeah. mean, obviously he's like Samoan, like he's not even close to that. But I'm just saying, like if you're gonna like take advantage of his slightly darker skin and sure, yeah, I, I mean I don't see why not. I mean Creed, they're doing pretty good with the Creed movies, so sure. Like Creed versus an Iranian boxer because yeah. it's like you know America's kind of on the verge of war with Iran. <laughs> That's what I'm, saying. what I'm saying. Yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. <laughs> That's a funny idea. That's what you do when you don't sleep in your wake at 3 a.m. You're like, I oh, know, be a good movie. <laughs> there you go. You heard it here first. Oh my gosh. Just scoop. Uh, that's all I had for news this week. I mean, there's there's other stuff, but uh, it was about as far as I got on it. Anything else over there? No. Other than hating Batman for no reason? Hey, I've always hated Batman. I know. I like Michael Keaton as Batman, but... It's a different thing altogether. I don't like Adam West as Batman. That's, no, where, star- that's where it started. So much. Yeah, I just don't like Batman. I'm like, oh, you're angry. <laughs> Whatever. Such a weirdo. It's not weird. Everybody's like, oh, Batman's so rad. No, he's not. Uh, you're definitely on the Superman boat. Yeah, yeah. Superman's way more cool. I do like Superman, but nah, I don't know about that. All Superman have to do is just, like spit on Batman and kill him. There was a really funny uh, during the whole uh, dating phase for Catwoman and, and Batman. There's a point where they went on a double date in like I think it's gosh was it, is either Superman or is uh, Batman Superman? I can't remember which book it was. I should know that, but I don't remember. Anyway, they went on a double date, and one of the things that they did was to go on to like a. Uh, a costume theme party thing, and so Superman dresses Batman, and Batman dresses Superman, 
and the girls dressed as each other, which is hilarious because all it was is them changing dresses. It was awesome. But who was the girl? Was it Wonder Woman or was it? Oh no, it was Lois Lane. Yeah, it was. It was after the whole um, current Superman being the original Superman. Well, because Lois still remembers like the old Superman. She's still angry. Lois, no. Lois is Lois is the straight up like mix of both versions of her, but not. She's not. She's not the one that outed him to the world. Superman has all the memories, and apparently Lois. Best we can tell, she's a mix of the two versions of herself, but. No, it's but like not the Wonder Woman, oh, Wonder Woman remembers that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Wonder Woman remembers all sure. that stuff. Well, yeah, Wonder Woman does, and so she's, does she's so Superman. Used to be dark and brooding, and like into me. I mean, like made you made diamonds with your fists and gave them to me, and I could do things. <laughs> and just like go do Wonder Woman '84 and be annoying. I think that'd be awesome. I hope that movie's good. I, I hope Superman said that to her. Like, go be annoying somewhere else. It's not. They have much more. Go be annoying with Kristen Wiig. They Nobody have cares. a much more pleasant relationship than that. Close Lane's way prettier than you. Get out of my face. I don't know about that. I don't know. I like. I like. I think me, Gal Gadot versus uh, Amy Adams. I think Amy Adams is prettier. Mm, I don't know about that. I mean, I don't. I think I. I mean, Gal Gadot would win in a fight because she's Israeli, and she's. I mean, <laughs> all, every Israeli has to be part of the military. That's true. So she knows how to fight and kill people. But like, Amy Adams is prettier. Mm. Sorry. Uh, there's no argument. I, I don't. I think even, they're both pretty. Ladies, even uh, but. let's go back even farther with Lois Lane. So Margot Kidder. Yeah, you Margot. I do like Margot Kidder a lot. There you actually, go. yeah. As far as a person that, so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm an autograph picture for somewhere. I know, but there you go. Yeah. So I got to say about that, man. But then you got to go back to I don't know what. What about uh, Wonder Woman seventy seven? Um, Linda Carter. Linda Carter. Yeah. Mm. yeah, she's pretty, but she's like she's still probably willing to fight. Well, she wouldn't she's fight for sure, <laughs> but she's not prettier. I don't know. They're I don't know. They're both pretty. Yeah. I mean, Linda Carter in Sky High. When she's oh, yeah. when she's older and more cougary. I'll give you that. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I, I guess my thing is like it's like I like that like principal librarian cougary look. I think that's kind of my thing. All right. But when she's like in the old days, like still Lena Car, still she looks she looks the same. Like Lena Cartwell, she has she's aged very very well. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yes, yeah. she has. All right, there you go. All right, enough of that nonsense. My God. Out of control. I thought it was going to be a shorter episode. It's not at all. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy number Guardians one. Guardians number one. Yeah. Tell me start off the Guardians, Josh. All right. Guardians of the Galaxy number one. It starts on Elysian, Elysian 3. I'm going to say Elysian. And then, okay. And it's the Kree. It's some sort of Kree planet thing. And they're like, it's a family. And they're like, dad's getting ready for work. And mom's just like making breakfast. And the kid's like, I'm worried about the... Civil War, and like, wow, we're way too far away for that, and then, like, the dad's, like, getting, sitting next to, like, a co-worker, and he's like, ah, oh, you know, what are we, my son's worried about this, and, like, what's the big overall, like, the, the big head that's, like, the Cree, Supreme like, Intelligence. Supreme Intelligence mm-hmm. is like, everything's okay, the Utopian Cree way is supreme. It's very, like, a Lego movie, everything is awesome style. It's kind of creepy. Everything is awesome. Yeah. And he's like, but we're colonizers, we're not soldiers, and even the Civil War starts up again, our duties are so far away, but we're safe, right? Here? And then it's just like, Zeus being crazy, and like, lightning, and fire, and destruction, 
And then it's like the Guardians of the Galaxy having a um, barbecue with a turkey and what looks like maybe lobster legs and some other disgusting blue eyeballs. <laughs> maybe a picture of beer, some sushi, Gamora's barbecuing. You got Moon Dragon and uh, Fela. Philavel. Philavel. Yep. And they're just hanging out and they're all talking trash to Rocket about him wearing a suit. And uh, then all of a sudden, Nova shows up. He's like, hey, guys, I'm sorry to interrupt your vacation, but uh, I need your help. And he's like, and the, the Nova Corps is devastated except for Sam. Well, him and Sam are the only two he thinks are still around. And then Rich Ryder is like, I'd call the Nova Corps, but it's just me and Sam Alexander that are left after everything. So he's like... You guys are kind of my last hope, and everybody's like, well, we're kind of like having this family barbecue, so I don't know, but um, Moon Dragon and, what did you say? I said Fila. You said Phyla? Phyla Vel, yeah. Phyla Vel. I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. And even Drax, and everybody were just like, eh. And Groot's got a mohawk, and he's just like, yeah, what are you saying? I don't want to do this. And Gamora's like, we're not a team, we're family. Let us have some peace. And then... um they're laying in bed, and obviously, um... Peter can't let it be, yeah. Yeah, he's just like, uh, I'm having, like, weird, like, dreams about, like, some guy in a chair who has a big beard, and he's like, you're just imagination. And then uh, next thing, Peter's just like, eh, I'm gonna go anyway. Well, yeah, he's he's lamenting the idea that there's trouble, and he's not doing anything. And, like, Gamora... We're still dealing with her feeling the way she did after the whole um, other Infinity chase, where things got crazy for her and Rocket and Groot. Well, she died. Yeah. So, like, her life-wise is different now, too, so she's a little more gun-shy, I guess. But then Rocket's like, I'm my sweet Miami Vice suit, and we're going to go save the day. Well, because Rocket's the same way. He's got a new lease on life, a new... But he's also like, you're my oldest friend, and I can't sleep either, so, like, we gotta, like, we gotta do what we do. And then, like, um, they meet up with Marvel Boy. Marvel Boy's like, I can do all these things with my magic powers that, like, nobody, I can do whatever I want with my body, but I don't know, but I can't really explain it, but I can just do whatever I want. Yeah, he's Which which has always been his thing. Yeah. And then, like, Nova and Phylavelle and Moondragon and Ambridge is like, oh my gosh, I feel so old, this is boring. And then, like, Mitch Rider's just like, oh, by the way, I died at one point, and... And now this brought me back, and I'm still trying to figure things out. And so, they go to this god world with a dis- with the point of distraction is that Moon Dragon's going to distract all the gods with her her like super brain like mental telekinesis tele telekinetic powers. Basically, they hide them while they sneak in is what she's doing. Yeah. Well, they go in and like blow up the um, interdimensional po- like thing that, like, they're using to go and, like, defeat these worlds. Right. Well, this new god, Zeus, or his whole... They're basically just stomping out... Zod, you mean? Well, he's kind of like... <laughs> he is kind of like Zod. Very yeah. Zod-like. Very Zod-like. They're basically just stomping out people as they go. It's like planets and races of people. I mean, he's an evil tyrant god, and yeah, whatever they're using to fuel themselves, the Guardians decide if they can blow it up or... That'd be the easiest way to stop them, so that's what they're trying to do. So Phylavel and Nova are, like, fighting him, kind of distracting him, like, Moon Dragon's shielding uh, um, Rocket and Peter and Marvel Boy, 
as they go in there and try to blow things up, but then, like, Mercury shows up and he's like, oh, what's well, Mercury and Artemis? She, she senses something, but he's like, yeah, and then he, like, he, can go, he he's, you know, he's speedster, so he can, like, go in between and kind of, like, he senses things, something as well, but he's also a trickster, so he's just like, oh, and he figures out and knocks Moon Dragon out, and then, like, the, the whole jig is up, and... Marvel Boy tries to do his thing with his, like, kind of his powers. And at this point, Zeus and Nova are fighting. And then Star-Lord's on the planet with Rocket and Moondragon and Marvel Boy. They're waiting for They're trying to get this bomb to explode to be able to, like, stop this thing from happening. But the the final reveal, there's a lot going on at the end. I mean, oh, yeah, battle-wise, you've got characters fighting characters. Multiple, and, multiple things. Yeah. But I guess the final reveal is that Hercules is entrapped somewhere. Marvel Boy finds him. He's like, I'm here to help. Everything's going to be okay. But he's like, he's locked up and he can't get away. So like, they're like using him somehow. I don't know if he's just locked up or for his power and they're draining him for some sort. But that's what it kind of looks like. It kind of looks like they've got him in prison and using him to fuel maybe how the ship runs, which is crazy. But it's possible that the thing that they're to blow up is actually Herc. I don't, we probably won't know that till issue two, but as a thing, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like, because we haven't seen Hercules in quite a while. The dude kind of floats in and out of things with the Avengers, but last batch of stories I remember seeing him in was the No Way Home story for the Avengers, and that was when they were all trapped, time traveling basically, and we bring Conan to the present. So I don't feel like we've seen him since then. So yeah, it was a pretty crazy like thing to stumble into him trapped in this ship out in the middle of nowhere. It's crazy. We'll see where it goes. Right. See, that thing's written by Al Ewing, right? Al Ewing um, wrote it. Juan Cabal drew it. Federico Bleague colored it. VCs Corey Petit lettered it. And Juan Cabal and Dean White worked at the, this cover specifically. Right. Uh, there was other covers. But this actually, this cover's probably... I was telling you this the other day at the stop, like... There's a bunch of like variants and stuff, but like the, the, just the regular cover is probably the better cover. Like they did some other ones, they're like, eh, but that one's pretty rad. Yeah, it's it's a good cover. Like the color pattern to it and everything is awesome. I don't understand why. I mean, I know they were giving talking trash to him like in the beginning of the issue, but like his weird Miami Vice suits, kind of odd. Now, at one point we had a we had a storyline right after Grounded where Rocket kind of had his own team of characters that were sort of like Guardians of the Galaxy, but were not them at all. And in that, he was kind of like a, I don't know, kind of like a mafioso type. But like, in the, the last series of the Guardians, Rocket was in the process of dying, and by the time we get to the end of that series, like, he has this new lease look on life, and so I think he's just trying to be, he's trying to de- dress just to be different than what he was before, I think is what it is. I mean, it is funny how they all kind of knock him for it, and I think it's just a matter of him trying to put himself in a different place in life. Gotcha. So whether it holds true the entire time, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of cool, but it, yeah, you're right. It's very Miami Vice. Oh, uh, you got a score for that book there, Josh? Mm, I love me some Guardians, but so I'm going to try not to be biased. I'm going to give it a three. I'm going to give it right in the middle because I'm like, <clears throat> I'm not sure what they're doing with it. I did like the art. Um, the story flows weird at certain points. Like Gamora, like, her role in it was weird because she like showed no emotion, but yet like she was kind of angry when they wanted to leave, but she wasn't like 
angry, angry. She was just like, no, don't do that. And like, I, I don't know, like, I don't know. It was a little odd to me. Like, same with Groot, like Groot's in it. And then ever since they changed Groot to like where he like actually says words and stuff, it's weird. And then they're trying to dumb him down now. So then he like, he says things, but he's like, Groot thinks that you shouldn't go. So like, they're trying to dumb him back. I, they need to figure out what's going on. So like, I love the Guardians. I always have. Like, for years. Sure. Even when it was, like, major victory and, like, way back in the day. Like, right. But I just don't know what they're, what they're trying to do. Like, we'll, I mean, we'll see. I, I hope it, it works out. I hope it's cool. I, I've always liked, since, like, Rocket and, like, Star-Lord have been together, like, that dynamic is really cool. Right. Regardless of everybody else. Because sure. they kind of are, like... They're kind of buddy cop a little bit. Yeah, so... Which, cool, if we're going to do Miami Vice in space, I'm into it. <laughs> so, awesome. Yeah. So if, if it ends up Miami Vice in space, I'll eventually give it a five. <laughs> if it ends up just, like, craziness and, like, Greek gods in space, I'll like, in, like, boring, I'll be like, eh, maybe two. So, like, right now I'm going to give it a three. Okay. Well, as far as scoring, like, I give it a three and a half. Like, I feel like it, I feel it was pretty good. The art's great. Story-wise, I think the real shift in the dynamic is more a matter of giving those characters that were part of the 2000, I think 2005 run with Adam Warlock, bringing them into the fold because these are characters that if you're just familiar with the movies, you don't really know any of those characters. I mean, Phyla Vell, Moondragon, you don't know them at all. So no, like... No, but they but they were around for like oh, a character- while afterwards. Yeah, character-wise they were. I mean, movie-wise, were, movie-wise no, but yeah. like... That's what I'm saying. But even then, like, you're, like you're doing. I mean, they're they're the only two, right? And as far as use is concerned, I mean, we haven't seen other than Annihilation Scourge. We haven't really seen Nova by himself for a while, and we haven't had a normal Nova book. Even when Sam had his own book, like, but like that's but, been a while. But Mar- Marvel Boy, like, he's, yeah, that's like, a weird. He's one. random, like, yeah, he that's a weird one. And Philavell, like, I mean, she was Quasar. Yeah, but then, like, Moondragon was only part of for a second, like, that whole thing, I don't know, man, like, that that's a weird, like, those two together are fine, because, like, sure. I mean, comic book-wise, but, like, I don't know, it's just a weird, it's a weird situation, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird dynamic, we'll see where it goes. Right. Yeah, as far as the rest of them are concerned, I have a feeling we'll see them leak back in later, just because that's how it Drax works. is in here, yeah. he, like, he just... He's there at the barbecue and stuff. Yeah, and he says things, but he just doesn't really, like... I don't know. I thought it was odd. Just the way that he's... he All he does is talk trash to Rocket. That's the, I mean, that's really his only role in this book. Mm. And he, like, he's... And that's literally all he does. Yeah. I don't necessarily feel like that doesn't fit, but as far as the cast, like, we'll just have to see where they, where they land with the rest of it. I have a feeling that probably... He just does some Zen stuff, and he's like, oh... You're a warrior, but a warrior who is not allowed to rest can only die. And it's just like, and he like touches Rocket, and Rocket's like hands off the suit. So it's just like he just he's he's there for literally like one panel, and like I don't know. It's I'm I'm curious where it goes because I I've, I love the Guardians, but I think that they're trying to put too much out there. And like if they're gonna like try and throw in a bunch of randos, bring some Adam Warlock into it because he's he's around <laughs> somewhere. Uh, it's supposed to be, yeah. I feel like we're, we're supposed to get a couple other characters that they, they teased in. I don't know if... His Madman costume is, su- or, like, is super sweet, I think. Oh, the Adam Warlock one? Yeah. Yeah. Because he got the staff, but he's like black with the lightning bolt. And I don't know. 
It's Mad Men, basically, but animal yeah, I mean, version. It, it, yeah, it does kind of look like Mad Men. We'll see. I, as far as the books are concerned, I think the first issue is pretty good. We'll see where it goes. I mean, team-wise, I think it's just a shake-up of the team for the sake of a shake-up of the team. So, we'll see. I mean, dropping Hercules in there, I can't imagine that where they're at right now, it, it looks like the Guardians need help. Well, I mean, they, so, I mean, Iron Man's been part of the team before. And yes, yeah. Venom's been part of the team before. Yeah, also, yeah. Better Bill's been part of the team. Yeah. It's like, I mean, everybody's like, kind of... We've had a whole batch of people float through the float through the group, sort of. But, I mean, whatever. But, like, it's it's fine. Just, I mean... Where's Mantis, you know? You know, I don't actually know where she is at all. Where's Adam? Where's... I don't know. I, I just... The Groot thing is weird to me. It makes him more creepy. He is a little weird. Like, he's not as, like, uh... Innocent. Well, ever since he's... He's like, what are you doing? Why are you... Uh, Groot, like... I don't know. Yeah, he's supposed to be teenage Groot. That's why he's got the mohawk. I know, but he, like, he's like, I am Groot, I am Groot. Like, he just, like, he doesn't do that anymore. He, like, he actually says words now, so it's, like, yeah. it's kind of creepy. He's just, like, this weird, creepy tree monster that, like... But that's how he started. I mean, the original... The original Groot didn't say I am Groot the way that they do with him. How long ago was that, though? Oh, gosh, I don't know, man. 70s? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, is that even, you know what I mean? Is that even part of a thing? Like, I mean, it's still part of the, the canon, but how it fits that It's like, oh, the original it. Superman didn't actually fly. He just jumped a lot. Yeah, you know true. I mean? It's true. like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, that doesn't even, like, I don't give a crap about that. So it's like. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see where it goes. I mean, issue-wise, Al Ewing's done a pretty good job with the Immortal Hulk and made it pretty popular. So I guess we'll see how it fits with the team book. Alright, uh, well, you want to move on to The Plunge from, uh, this is, uh, the Joe Hill imprint over at DC Comics. So, for those of you who don't know, Joe Hill is Stephen King's son, and he's written a whole batch of different stories for different comic book companies. This particular imprint is a batch of stuff that he's writing a few of them, but there's a few of the other ones that are being written by other people. They're like treatments he wrote, then other folks are writing the books, but this one is another one of his. Uh, but it's, it's Joe Hill writing it. And the, uh, the art on it is from Stuart Emonian. Emonian, I think that's how you say it. Um, and as far as, like, the book, when we open up, we're out in this field with a dude playing catch with it, or playing fetch with a, with a, with a dog. And, uh, they're out along the beach area, and as they get closer to closer to the beach, we wind up finding out as they get over the edge of it, there's this giant batch of, I don't know, like, giant squid just all over the beach, dead, like, gross style. Like, in giant, monster-sized squid. Because, like, the two of them looked very tiny next to him. And, uh, in the process of that, well, they both go down there and start investigating. And then, uh, as, as they're down there, they realize this tidal wave is coming in. And so they both try to run. And whatever it is in the, in the, in the wave, we don't get a clear image of. But it's also a mix of, like, dead giants, giant, uh, it's just, it's just it's just those ones sucked up and like yeah being spit back at them so we don't get to see what it is at all and, and it looks to me like both of them get basically washed out to sea or washed up on the beach or something uh, we cut from there to the inside of a ship and uh, the ship is flooded and then we join another group of people who are in like a I don't know like a frigate somewhere basically looking at a tracking system that all of a sudden this new beacon shows up on and they're all very concerned about it and uh turns out this particular beacon is from a ship that disappeared several years ago. And there's been no trace of it and no uh 
information from it, no wreckage, no nothing showed up on it, and all of a sudden just shows back up on the uh, radar. And we cut from there to a diver who's uh, swimming around with a, a, what looks like a great white, great white shark. And uh, we pull back to find out this is a this is a lady who's diving in like a fish tank at a at an aquarium type scenario. And uh, as as the story goes along, we want to find out she's like a scientist type, and she's been investigating these little like brine looking things. They're pretty alien looking. I mean, I don't even know what to describe them as because they're not like they're not normal anything, but they're kind of sea squid looking things with all these pointy sharp edges on them. I mean, they look like little monsters. Like, they're, it's crazy. She eventually gets a call. We cut them from from her to a businessman who is in the process of trying to hire a sea captain to go out and haul in the missing ship. And the captain... It's actually super funny. The captain's got a cargo hold full of items that, uh... Well, they're... They could be used as massage tools, actually. It's super funny the way he plays it off with the guy, and it, it the whole time the captain really doesn't want to take the job, and he's trying to force the dude to leave, is what he's really trying to do. Um, but eventually, he reluctantly takes the job just because the money's too crazy. And as the two of them are talking, we find out there was a whole bunch of people that were missing that were on this ship, and they've got no answers, and they think what's happened is the ship shifted enough to have its, its solar panels get hit by the sun in order to set off its emergency beacon again. But it's crazy how long it's been. And at this point, like, we, as the audience, we get to see that things look really crazy on the ship. Not just deserted, but crazy. Like, there's stuff written on the walls all weird. Um, anyway, eventually the sea captain relaxes to go and take the job. And uh, in the process, he winds up hiring the diver to go with him. And so they all set off to go to the ship and try to figure out how it went missing, why it went missing, and what happened to all the people. Once we get to the wrap-up, like, the final catch is we wind up stumbling up on, once they finally get to the ship, and it, it looks crazy, like, ghost-haunted abandoned, is what is the way it looks. I mean, it, it's a horror story, so it's it's supposed to look that way. But uh, once we all get on board, we wind up finding what appears to be one crewman still kind of alive. Um, and he's uh, got this crazy black, like, goo stuff leaking out of his throat, and he, he, he whispers to them, and that's kind of where the book closes. So, as far as questions, I mean, oh my god, like, how's this dude alive first? I mean, the boat, in theory, sunk, or vanished, or whatever, and there's still one dude alive on it, but he looks like a crazy, I don't know, he's all, he's all gross, crazy looking. As far as, like, the art's really good. As far as series is, I don't know, I like a mystery at the high seas, and it seems like haunted ship type story, which is pretty cool. As far as, like, a score, I mean, I give it a three and a half, because it was a pretty interesting read. A lot of the dialogue between, like, the, the captain and the businessman and, and the company that he works for trying to figure out what they can find out at salvage from this ship is also pretty questionable, because it seems like whatever they were hauling, the company doesn't want anybody to find. So... That's also a pretty good, like, mystery-type scenario. And, like, the weird algae things, like, they're just so crazy-looking. And whatever it is that killed all these giant squid... They didn't kill them, they just washed ashore. They, weren't, they, weren't they dead? Well, yeah, but they got washed ashore. Right. From the tide. Like, they, like the, the, wave, the massive waves washed them ashore for some reason. Like, they, they don't really explain, like, the little, like, goby, like, razor-sharp little demon things and then like the guy at the end is stabbing himself in the in the foot it's just like 
there's a lot of things that go on, but nothing's explained. And like, I get it. It's a, it's issue number one, but it's like, I give it like a, maybe a, maybe a two. I do like the art. The art's pretty good in it, but it's like, it's just, there's, there's, I think there's too many. Um, how do, I mean, how do I say this? Like, too many questions in, in, in a trade paperback. If it was released as a trade, it'd be fine. But there's too many unanswered things in one issue that you're just like, wait, what? What? Wait, what? Like you're just, it's so confusing. I'd be, I'd be like, eh. There's, there's no fluidity at all. It's not a novel. And if he writes like his dad, which Stephen King is one of the greatest authors of all time, supposedly, but like, if you've read any Stephen King, it takes him like 900 pages in a 1500 page book to like start act making any sense. And so it's like, if he's going to do that thing, you're going to be like 15 issues in, be like, oh, that's what those little things are. It's like, yeah, by this point, I'm over it. You know what I mean? Like, you can't, I just, it's too much. It, I mean, the art's really, really good, but it's like the thing, the guy at the end is like, Stabbing himself in the foot and knows the girl's name, which is also creepy and crazy. But, but, but then again, like, who is she? You know, they don't really like delve into her at all. So it's like, it's like, oh, it's so crazy that he knows who she is, but who is she? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, meet. We meet a lot of the characters in the first issue, so it's it's very typical first issue where we meet. You do several people. I know several factions. You kind of meet them, but you like you don't really meet them. Sure. You know, what I mean, it's just like. Well, even, like, her connection to him, to the captain, is still kind of, like, I mean, other than them knowing each other. Which I imagine that's what, like you said, I think trade-wise, uh, there's a lot of books that feel like they're written to be trades, and maybe this is what that is, is what you're seeing or feeling. I still liked it, but there is a trend in some books that seem to be that, that they're written to be volumes instead of written to be individual issues. I don't necessarily feel that bad about this, because I feel like the cliffhanger is pretty good, but I feel like you're saying, though, there's a lot of questions that are like, well, how the hell does this fit together? So, and maybe it will be, you know, like his, his dad does, where we get to issue three, and all of a sudden things line up, but that is kind of right. Now you're in issue three, be issue, like, like I said, 15. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be that long, though, so that's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Speaking of that, on to the next book. Kids. Right. Kids number one, by a blaze. It's written by Aurelien uh, Ducoudre. The artist is Joclan Jarrett. And, yeah. So, first of all, the art in this book's great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it at that. And I know, like, they usually wait till the end to do that. But, like, the art in this book's really cool. So, this is um, issue one. It's called Kids. And starts out with some ravens on telephone line. And... A BMX guy, like some kid with like a mask on and a baseball bat and a BMX bike, like jumping off this jump, and they're like, and they're chasing something through this town, and like there's some kids on the skateboard, and the kid on the skateboard keeps yelling at this kid, like, "Hey, fatty, keep up!" And this kid's that he's calling fatty has a video camera, and the person on the bike is like yelling at them, and there, and there's some kid running alone that's separate from all them with a shaved head. I'm coming to find out they're chasing a, zo- a zombie-esque, like, it's very fast if they're chasing it, and it knows that it's being chased. Right. So that's that's the interesting part of this, which, like, in 
most zombie things, the zombies are chasing you because they're fiending after blood or right. brains or whatever. And this thing is being chased, and it's like obviously knows that these guys want to kill it. And um, they talk about zombies and this and about this this kind of zombie or whatever it is about how like they starve to death within like a week or two. So like there's so this thing had to have been feeding off something. Um, they chase it to a backyard in a swimming pool, um, and then they knock into the swimming pool, thinking that they, thinking that they got it. But yet it like it lashes out at one of the kids at one point and then they hit it again and then like I'm making fun of the kid for like, Oh, you freaked you out and yeah, uh, they're falling like taunting it while it's in the pool without even thought of it trying to get revenge. Then it tries again and then the kid with a hockey stick. Um yeah, there's one of the kids has a hockey stick. Um Oh yeah. Not like cracks its hand and then knocks it back into the pool and then they put the pool cover cover over it. And like, eh, at least the pool's gonna cover it. Like, we, I mean, cause they can't really get it out of the pool. Right. The so, pool's still full, and like, they basically cover it to trap it inside there so they can't get out and get them. And it'll starve. Right. That's because from whatever information they give you, they do starve. So, um. Yeah, and they talk about parched wallets in the pool. They talk about how this used to be an old lady used to cook them all cookies, and she made the best cookies. And yeah, I mean. Now she's this crazy rage monster thing. But then they're walking back and they're just like, they're chatting with each other and they're like, this happened, this happened. They're like, you kind of like get to see like all the, all the kids like as a, as a gang. Right. And then it, then it's like, it flashes to like video of that they call themselves the kids, like KIDZ. And it's like a, a video, like documentary, like mockumentary kind of thing that they're doing. And it's like one kid has a crossbow and he's hunting and he kills one of the zombies. And then, like, the next kid has, like, a drill, and he's, like, drilling the head of the zombie, and it's like, oh, what about me? And it's just like, um, yeah, and, like, you, this one kid crushes it with his foot, and then, like, like what about, what about me? And he's just like, oh, yeah, like, like we showed you getting scared of, like, by getting almost sucked in the swimming pool. And then they start fighting, you know, amongst themselves, and, like, you can tell they're, like, they're living in this house together, like, and they have, and during this as well, um, like, yeah, there's, Rule number one, don't do this. Rule number two, don't do this. Like, and so it's very like, they're bringing in like the zombie land, like different rule thing. For sure. And um, even the TVs, like the show, what they're watching is the video they shot of themselves. The kid that was running around the camera earlier, it has looped together a batch of their different exploits. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like the like TV do, show. Yeah. He's doing like a, uh, yeah. Like I said, he's doing like a zombie land thing. Yeah. 100%. Um, it's like them going to sleep, and they're like, "Oh, somebody like the the, gen- the generator turned off, so somebody needs to go outside." Well, we got to get up early, so they just like leave it because like zombies they can't see you in the dark. But like, but yeah, but we can't see zombies in the dark either because it's another rule. And then like one of the kids is like, "Oh, I got to get up because we're supposed to be out and about." But yeah, he has a weird nightmare dream where he wakes up in the in the morning. Everything seems to be fine, and so he runs downstairs, and there's his mom in the kitchen cooking, and. That turns from normal to very nightmare super quick. And, and then wakes up and then it's like, oh, I had another nightmare with my mom. Everybody's, it's nighttime still. Sees a light on the garage. It's like, oh, I'm going to grab my machete and go out there and kill me some zombies. It's like, oh, somebody's getting ready to go out. One of the other characters is getting ready to go out for a raid. And so they're like, oh, it's just, yeah, cool. Well, I can't sleep either, so let's do it. And then it's kind of the next day. Then it just kind of ends. So it's like, 
it's very anticlimactic because there's like your first issue usually end like a like oh my gosh what's going on but like this one's just like eh, there's another house we need to raid I got a crossbow and we got riot gear and yeah what's next so like I think that's my issue with this book is that like as I give it a rating um on potential I give it like a four and a half but as in, like, if I was just walking into this book and I, I had to just make a decision on, like, five different books, I give it, like, a one and a half because it's, like, the art's great. It starts out, like, fast and awesome, but then just, like, it fizzles out bad. And it's just, like, it just, it, it's, like, wow, we're finally writing our own book, but we don't know how to finish it. And just, like, they don't they they don't set up the characters well enough to give them enough identity to know who's who. You do, but you don't. But then on the other hand, like nothing's nothing. It ends just kind of like oh, we're all going on kind of a raid. Like it, it's it's kind of just all over the place to me. I don't know. I was kind of it it fizzled out and ended very disappointingly to me. Like as much as I love the art, I was like. Eh. As far as the, uh, it, the, the, it's got a very fun art style. And I think what's going on in the book, the reason it slows down is it's a zombie. It's a zombie apocalypse. Like, at this point, the characters themselves are happening out on the next run. And th- at the, in, in the evening, when he comes downstairs, the guy that was outside with the short little spiky hair, who basically seems to be the, the main lead of the group, like he's the Rick. But does he? For the most part, they all seem to respect what he says. I don't know. Like, I just, I didn't, I didn't grasp that. Like, I grasped it. Like, sometimes it's the other kid. Like, I don't know. There's just, there's so much going on. But yeah, the kid at the end, the one that wakes up and had the nightmare. That's the the long haired kid, and it's the two of them that go to the house the next day by themselves without anybody else. Because like the shaved head kid, like, is yelling at the kid that's filming, and he's the one that's calling calling him a fatty. And, like, if he's the leader and he's insulting the kids, like, that's definitely not the leader. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, and there's two kids that kind of have shaved heads, too. Like, in one scene. There's the one with the goggles and, or the glasses. Because there's... Then there's the other, there's the other one that's, uh, yeah, the, just the way they look is more, more, yeah, I guess, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I guess so, they do look sort of similar. That's what I mean. It's yeah. just, like... Is it like one kid has kind of like a little floof here? One kid has no hair on the cover. It's just, it's too, to me, it's not like they didn't do enough like character development right off the bat. Like, again, like when we went back to a previous issue, like a freeze book, you know, the Stephen King's son book, the one right before this one. Uh, plunge plunge yeah like at least we know that the one like girl like is kind of like going to be the main character you know like i don't know it just i it's kind of all over the place to me but i like the art a lot so, so <laughs> like it's it is kind of it is it is a fun it is kind of a fun book i mean as far as story i mean it's a zombie hunter chase him down type book so i mean the, there's not like a cliffhanger cliffhanger at the end and as far as, like, the characters are concerned, the one with the tuft on his hair, I'm pretty sure is supposed to be the leader. And, yeah, he is a jerk to the to the big kid, but he's also a jerk to two of the other kids. Like, he goes, 
runs the gamut of being a jerk and also being a guy that saves all of them. Because he's the one that saves the kid from getting eaten, getting eaten by the girl, by the, by the grandma in the swimming pool, the zombie in the swimming pool. He's the one that saves her from them. And like, he's the one that hits them with a, with the hockey stick. So like, he's supposed to be their, their alpha. And, but as far as like the way the rest of them fit together, a whole handful of them are just tag along types. So I, I guess once we get to issue two, we'll see how the two, these two mains fit together better. But as far as like a series is concerned, I don't know, it's pretty fun. It's not overly gory, but the the crazy uh, nightmare sequence was it was crazy. Like the whole kitchen sequence, freaking nuts. But yeah, I don't know. So yeah, I mean, I can see some of the pieces being kind of kind of kind of rough just because the characters are new and they don't name all the characters. Even they have two the two that are they call the twins. And as far as names are concerned, we only really find out Ben, who's the long hair kid. The He's the only one to really get. I feel like we get his name. We get the kid with the skull shirt's name, which I don't remember, which is too bad. Anyway, I know as far as the score, I give it two and a half. It's fun. The art is fun. I think uh, book wise, they did some cool stuff with their covers because they did they did five different covers, right? And their the first issue's covers were all all but one of them were movie throwbacks. So we have like a Goonies cover, we have a Lost Boys cover, we have a Ghostbuster cover. So, like, cover choices, there's a whole handful of, like, cool covers to it. And I'm pretty sure, I think this book is, a, is an international book that they've just converted to English, is what the truth is. Because I feel like this particular book, the way the art is framed even, like, this in, this, in the pages, the way that it's sized, is almost designed for, like, a French or an Italian comic. So, I don't know enough to know if that's the truth or not, but I kind of feel like it is, because it's kind of framed different on the inside pages. But yeah, like, as a thing, they have a bunch of cool covers. Like you said, the art's fun. The story itself, yeah, I mean, it could be a little deeper, but... I don't know, for a first issue of something that's probably a miniseries? I don't know, I, I dug it, it was fun. Did you, did you did you score that thing? I think you did, you did potential in something else. Yeah. Okay. Um. Alright, so move on to... To Alfred? Mm-hmm. All right. So this is the uh, Batman Pennyworth Rip issue. Um, it was a one-shot, basically dealing with the aftermath of City of Bane and the whole fallout. And if you're not current on Batman, uh, this is going to be very spoilery. Um, but Alfred um, got dead uh, by Bane. And this book is basically a follow-up to that and how things are dealt with by different characters. Uh, this book's written by uh, James Tinian, James Tinian, and uh, by Peter J. DeMossi. Uh There's a whole lot of artists on it because we get flashbacks with different artists, so I'm gonna omit the amount of names that are on there for that. So you can look it up if you want to. Um, but the way the book opens up, we're we're at a, a giant memorial statue that has Alfred Pennyworth standing with his hands on the shoulders of young Bruce Wayne, and beneath it we have Bruce cutting a red red ribbon as an opening ceremony for this hospital um, for children. And behind him is Tim and uh, Jason and uh, Barbara, all at the funeral. And there's a whole lot of inner monologue going on throughout the first page, talking about how Alfred is and how Alfred was and what he did for everyone. And we get different inner monologues for everybody. I mean, they're all there. I mean, Tim's there, Barbara's there, Jason's there. Dick slash Rick Grayson is there. 
And, uh, of course, they're, they're the funeral for Alfred. I mean, this is a guy that was very important to all of them. And, like, their retrospect of how Bruce is behaving is also part of the inner monologue. And as, as they're talking about this, they, we lead to the point where Alfred, Bruce has managed to arrange, arrange for them all to have an evening together. And he's got Catwoman and, uh, Batwoman and the Signal and Orphan all looking after the city while they are all at, um, this family, trying to do a family gathering is what he's trying to do. And he's got all these other, got the underlings to watch the city. And Tim's made arrangements and they rented out this bar and Tim set up a, a safety field around it to make all electronic devices and recording devices not work in order so they can be there together and not have to worry about something following or videotaping them or anything else. So once we get past some of the setup to explain why it's okay for them all to be off tonight, uh, we open up with them walking into a bar, and that's one of the lines in the book, and it, it opens up and says, And so, the Bat family walked into a bar, very punchline-like. And as, as they enter, of course, the whole group's there, and... Uh, there's some infighting and bickering, not not even really bickering. They're just like Tim. Tim mentions or Damien mentions to everyone how dirty the bar is. It's filthy, and Tim's like, "You should see underneath the tables. It's a good thing you didn't have to clean in here." And then Barbara's like, "Oh come on, Tim. You know you gotta let it be." And of course, Jason and Tim kind of banter for a second, and Tim tells Dick to get him a drink, and Grayson jumps right over the bar. Oh sure, I'll get you, get you whatever you want, which. If you don't know what's going on in the Nightwing comics right now, Dick Grayson got shot in the head. And after he came back from his brain injury and surgery, he has lost the personality of, of, of himself. And he's currently running around calling himself Rick Grayson, which we might be getting to the end of that pretty soon in his own book because we found some things out about the surgery that may have caused him to be what's happening. But because of that, he has no memories of all these people. He has random memories of still being Nightwing, of course, muscle memory, and certain things seem to be in there, and he knows that these people are important to him, but he doesn't have, he doesn't have the actual memories. And so when he jumps over the bar, like, Jason's like, man, you really are different, because before this, you would, you would just told me to do it myself. So, that part's very, well, for, for me, it's aggravating, just because it's still happening as a thing. But it makes sense because of where we are currently at with Nightwing and his own story. Um, anyway, so Dick basically makes them all drinks. And uh, at that point, Bruce walks in because all the kids were there first. And he tells them all that this, is what, this, that this isn't what Alfred would have wanted, all of us fighting. There's no reason for us to be fighting. That's not what Alfred would have wanted. And so he walks through them all and he sits down at the table and they all kind of talk to him about Barbara tells him that he, she enjoyed his speech no Tim Tim tells him he, they enjoyed his speech his eulogy for Alfred and of course Jason's like oh quit being a, quit being a suck up and uh, we cut to Damien and Damien holds up a glass and he's like to Alfred and he starts off with the, the toasting the situation and he starts to tell a story about Alfred and, and how him and Alfred were together and uh, we cut to this Totally different scene where, where Damien is being told by Bruce that he's grounded for a week. And he's not to be out doing things at night. He's broken enough rules, and at this point, he's grounded. And uh, of course, Damien responds in Damien fashion, smashing things and telling his dad, "Oh, that's fine. I don't care. I'll, I don't have to do anything." And so he's like, "Well, it'll be two weeks." And then Bruce storms off, angry dad style. 
And at that point, he's joined by Alfred in the cave, and Alfred brings him a dustpan and a little broom, and he tells him, you do realize anything you break here, you have to clean up yourself. And you should really try to think about this from your dad's point of view. And then, once you're done cleaning, finish your homework and go to bed, because you're grounded. And off Alfred goes. Well, of course, Damien doesn't do that. He cleans up the mess, and then he takes off on the motorcycle. In the process of doing that, he... He's found a call from a distressed um, robbery on a bus by the uh, mummy gang, which is hilarious because they're dressed up like mummies. And he takes to whooping them on the bus, and it's it's an awesome fight sequence. Like he basically just takes out all these dudes who hijacked a, a transit for people, like a bus. And uh, after he's got them all tied up to the light light post and saved all the people, he's talking to himself and he's, in his head. He's like, "Oh, it's really good to be out doing things, helping people, keeping people safe." and at that point, he sees in the shadows Batman, and Batman gestures for him to come to him. And of course, Damien's like, oh no, I'm in trouble. Uh, so he follows, and it turns out that it's not Batman at all, it's Alfred, wearing a bat suit, driving an old Bentley. And he's like, Alfred, I'm going to be in a lot of trouble, aren't I? And he's like, don't worry, I'm not going to tell your dad, but you need to realize that you are still grounded and we're going home. And he gives him some other parting words of, like, I don't know, be a better person type speech. It's kind of awesome. The book's really written well. Anyway, so then we cut from that to Damien in present time. you got a tear tri- tripping down his face. And he's like, I know you all blame me. I know it's my fault. I should never come back to the city. I'm the last one to see him, and I keep hearing the snap of his neck. And Damien tells him all they... He realizes it's his fault, and not to follow him, and he storms out of the bar. And, of course, Bruce just sits there, and Barbara's like, you can't let him go. Like, this is your kid. You owe him more than you owe us. He's like, he knows he's welcome here. She's like, obviously he doesn't. This isn't like one of us that you could treat different. This is Damien. And Bruce just continues to sit there. And then Tim pipes up, and he's like, oh, we're going to get this back on track. And so Tim tells a story about... Alfred and him, and it's flashes back to his old days of just being Robin, prior to being the Red Robin, prior to, you know, it's he's in his classic costume with the black cape with the yellow insides, and just awesome looking. And he's training, he's got Dick Grayson down there as Nightwing, help him train, and he's lamenting the fact that he keeps messing up and making mistakes, and Dick tells him, don't worry, you know, Batman knows that the, the mistakes happen, and the whole time Tim's like, oh, I gotta do better, I gotta do better, you know, make sure Batman's happy with me. He's like, I can't believe I failed. The worst thing is I, I kind of lost because of Firefly. And so we cut to a sequence where he's fighting Firefly. And it turns out that Tim, in the process of trying to stop Firefly from what he's doing, decided he was going to take it a little farther. And he disarms his um, blowtorch that was spring um not asbestos, what's the uh, fire that burns in water? Napalm, there we go. Gosh, hard to remember things. And he cuts the napalm line, he takes him out, and he's getting ready to go whoop him. And at that point, the Gotham PD shows up. So he had to run, so he didn't get caught by the Gotham PD, and he had to leave his shurikens and his bow staff with the electric shock on the end, and he's upset that he lost his weapons because he decided to go too far. And we want to find out the police have collected them, and of course taken them back to Gotham PD, and he starts talking about he never even had any idea, because Alfred, he wasn't telling Alfred about the situation, and he's like, I don't know when Alfred broke into Gotham PD and got them for me, but he did. And we get to see Alfred on top of this building, putting on it like a straight-up robber mask, breaking into Gotham PD to sneak into the evidence room and take back Robin's toys. 
and he leaves them for him on a nightstand whenever nebulously this happened with like a Christmas card like a, as a present for him. So it didn't matter that Tim messed up. Somehow Alfred managed to get himself in the Gotham PD. Still, any of the evidence would have been there. It could have possibly got him in trouble and returned to him as a gift. And of course it's like, this whole book's very heart-tucky if you care about if you care about Alfred or Batman at all. Anyway, so we rejoin the group and uh, Tim finishes his story and he talks to Batman about I, I've seen you before when you have this problem. I was the one that followed Jason. Like you needed help. You're there again, but I, I can't just do it again. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to ask. And he finishes his story, and Bruce gives him some parting words, and then Tim leaves. And Tim says that he knows he's supposed to be the one that's that pulls things together, but he can't do it. And he winds up leaving, and that leaves Barbara, Jason, and Grayson. So the next one that falls to is 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 Jason and Jason toasts and starts talking about how when he was running around as a red, well, he's still a red hood, but he's, he basically rejoined him in his weird apartment and Alfred's there delivering groceries for him. And he's talking to him about, Oh, you know that one of these days your guns will fail you. The who won't fail you is your family. And of course, Jason's snotty cause he's snotty. And, uh, Jason's like, the only thing I can count on are my guns. And we go from there to later that evening, and Jason's tied up by a bunch of gangsters, and they've got him basically at gunpoint on his knees. And here comes crashing through the wall one of the Batmobiles. And, of course, we hear the voice from inside tell him to get up, get up, their, give up their weapons. And, of course, none of the crooks do. And then the voice says, too late! And all of a sudden, it starts shooting, like, electric bolts out at them, and basically shocking them, like, taser style. And then they un- unties the Red Hood and picks him up, and it turns out the one driving the Batmobile is Alfred. And as he's inside the cockpit with Alfred, he's like, oh, was the bat too busy? He's like, actually, yes, he was very busy. But the only ones you can really count on are family. And so he basically saved Red Hood from this whole event because he's Alfred. And so we rejoin the, the family in the bar again, and Jason yells at Bruce a little bit because now he finally understands like the loss that Bruce must have felt for him, but he still can't forgive him. Not entirely. Because they've all lost people. Just now, the loss is more like what happened with him whenever Jason died. So Jason leaves. And that leaves Barbara and Bruce. And Bruce, you can see in his eyes, he's sad and doesn't know what to do. And Barbara kind of tears into him about that too a little bit. And she starts talking about, you realize all this stuff, like you shouldn't have left the city when you did. When Bane was in charge of the city and tearing everything up, when he was in control of the city, the people were afraid. I didn't get I didn't get raised like the boys did, with Silver Spoon safe in the manor. I've lived in the city my entire life, and the people in the city, they're afraid. They don't look at the Bat Symbol anymore and see hope. They see all these n- nightmare villains, and we see a picture of the Bat who laughs, who also wears the Bat Symbol. And we see the Grim Knight, who also wears the Bat Symbol. And she talks about when the light shines in the, in the sky at night, the people don't have the same hope anymore and he needs to figure out a way to fix that and she's she's pretty upset with him um well then we cut to a story for her and she tells a story about one evening when she wound up stopping a bunch of guns from getting to the streets um with alfred giving her help over the uh the bat communicators prior to this is after her whole paralyzing and being back to doing batgirl stuff and uh she's told that she's going to meet him 
He's like, oh yeah, I've got a surprise for you. She's like, no clues? He's like, I don't want you to figure it out. She's like, I have, it's hard for me to turn off my detective brain. And so Alfred picks her up at her apartment, and they go on his drive. And he's got her blindfolded. The whole time she's blindfolded, she's like, well, I smell pine trees, and I smelled those for the last 45 minutes. And she's basically trying to detect where they're going. We'll eventually get to wherever they're, gonna, they're going, and they stop, and he has her take off the, the blindfold and get out. And she's full-on still in Batgirl costume. Like, he picked her up, you know, that evening from doing work. And they're at, um, in the uh, mountain summit. Oh, shoot, they say which one it is, but I don't remember what it is. Anyway, it's a giant mountain. And he tells her, oh, I have all your climbing gear with me. She's like, what are we doing here? This is crazy. And he's like, oh, we're going to climb this mountain. Because it's what you like to do. And so the two of them take to rock climbing the mountain. And eventually they finally get to the top, and Alfred's like, oh, just at the right time. And we see the sun kind of crest, so it's a beautiful image for the for them to see. And she's the whole time she's like, are you keeping up? He's like, oh, don't worry about me. You know, I'm doing fine. Anyway, they get to the top of the mountain, and Alfred pulls out this cupcake, and he puts a candle in and lights the candle. And he tells her it's for the, her, the anniversary of her return to being Batgirl, after all of her spinal work and all of her... Um, see, in the original Louis 52, when they opened up, they just made it a miracle, and she's just better. And it was really not Gail Simone's fault, writing-wise. It just was a terrible way to fix it. Since then, we've added in the idea that she went to a bunch of therapy and has worked her way back to being that girl. Anyway, so he's basically bringing her a birthday cake for the day that she became that girl again. And tells her how she's she is his hero. And then she tells him that he's her hero. Because of what he does and how he keeps everybody together and how he takes care of everyone. So they both blow out the candle together because, I don't know, it's a birthday for both of them, I guess. Anyway, um, so we get from there to Barbara and she's also leaving the bar. And uh, the only ones left now is Dick and Bruce. Only problem is that Dick is still Richard, and he doesn't have any memories of Alfred. And so he sits down with a drink, and he starts talking to Bruce, he's like, you know, I think this Rick guy, or this Dick, this Dick, this Dick guy I'm supposed to be, he would have something really great to say, and I just don't have any of those memories. And what I know about Alfred from what I've heard tonight, he was really great. So can you do me a favor and tell me a story that I would have told if I remembered a story? And so Bruce tells a story for Nightwing. And it starts out with uh, Alfred going to... It starts out with Dick Grace remembering an evening every year that Alfred went off by himself in the middle of the night. And one night he decided he's going to follow him. So he follows him and he winds up finding out that Alfred goes to the alleyway. The same alleyway that Bruce's parents died in. But it's not on the anniversary. It's like a few days before or after. And so he watches him, and then he sees him leave flowers and leave. And so Grayson catches him in the alleyway, and he picks him up, and he's like, Oh, hey, you know, I've been wanting to get some ice cream. We should go get ice cream. And Alfred's like, That sounds like a great idea. And he's full on a Nightwing costume and everything. So they drive, and they get shakes. And then we join the two of them sitting on top of basically the, in the edge of the car. And uh, he's talking to him, and he's like, Do you want to ask me what you want to ask me? And so we ask him, like, what he's doing. And he says, well, the anniversary is for Bruce. It's not for me. Like, I go on a different day so I can do the same thing myself and I don't have to take away from Bruce. And then he talks to Grayson uh, a while more. I mean, it's, it's a lengthy explanation versus my short explanation. And he talks about how that day is for him to honor the parents 
for what their sons become because of what happened to them is what turned him into what he is and how many lives he saved and things like that. It's really pretty poetic the way it's written. I'm not doing it justice, and I feel real bad about that. Anyhow, um, the end of the scenario, and uh, we want to see him Grace enjoying Batman on the night of the anniversary. And while they're there, he asks him, he's talking to him, and he says something about, where would you go with Alfred the other night? He's like, well, let me tell you this story. And he basically tells Bruce how Alfred feels like if Bruce's parents knew what Bruce became, they wouldn't want the world to turn any different. Because he's saved so many lives, he's done so much good, he's done so much good for the city, that if his parents were aware of what he was going to become, they would let it play out that way anyway. Which is really pretty crazy, but kind of awesome. Anyway, so we rejoin from there into the uh, bar again. And Rick's looking at him with this giant smile on his face. He's like, you know what? That sounds like really, you know, that, that guy, he must have been really awesome. He says, I'm really sorry that I know I'm supposed to be the one that pulls you all together, but I don't know how to do that, and I'm not that guy. And he gets up and he goes over to the, this wall that has a whole lot of photographs on it, and he pulls out a frame, he puts the frame on the wall. And he tells him that he really hopes that someday that maybe that could be something again, but he's not that guy and he doesn't know how to be that. And he leaves. And so we're left alone with Bruce. Bruce gets up and he goes over the wall. And we see Bruce pull a picture out and he's looking at the picture and like all teary-eyed. And he puts a picture up on the wall and the picture is Alfred with all of the Bat family around him. Barbara, Tim, Damien, Bruce, Nightwing, all in their costumes with him sitting in the chair at the Bat computer. And he puts it up on the wall. And that's where the book sort of ends. That's, that's exactly where the book ends. I think it's great, story-wise. I feel like Peter J. DeMossi is an awesome writer, and James Tavolian is also an awesome writer. So James's new take on Batman, like what's going on now in the new series that he's taken over at number 86, has been pretty decent so far. We're only a few issues in, but it's been pretty cool. And the dude also wrote the Talon book, and he's one of Scott Snyder's, like, alkalites. Like, he's one of the guys that Scott taught when he used to work at the college, when he was doing university um, teaching for creative writing. Um, and Tomasi's written a lot of Batman, a lot of Superman, a lot of Green Lantern. He wrote so much Green Lantern core. Uh, these guys are both just fantastic. And this book plays off really, really well of itself. I mean, score-wise, I give it a five. I mean, some of the art in a couple of the flashback stories is not my normal cup of tea, but it works fine. And... Score-wise, maybe just because I'm so married to Batman that that's the case. And if that's the case, well, so be it. My only my only real disappointment is that the world didn't take more notice. Because whenever we found out about Damien, the internet went absolutely crazy. But Alfred, it's like he was a peep in the world of the internet. And it made me so angry. Well, I mean, when Pa Kent died... Same thing. Same thing happened. And, like, I, I think that, like, with Alfred, it's just, like, a gimmick. It might be. He'll be back for sure. And I think that, like, I mean, it, it's it's a well-written book. It's definitely, like, a four and a half. Like, it's a real, the, the, the art's good. Right. Like, the story's good. Like, it's it's a it's a well-written book. So, like, but I, I don't, I don't think that, I think that they just, they threw it out there. Like, I think, I think that writers and DC and, 
you know, like people in charge, like executive producer, basically, or like or just like they're, they're reaching now. You know, like and like when when they kill Pockant, like Pockant was fine. He was alive for a, a long, and all of a sudden he was just like, oh wait wait wait, he had heart attack. When did he yeah. have heart attack? Like, I don't and know. He, and, and he died. Like what? Yeah. It's just like it's it's stupid. Like you're you're killing people for, just to kill them. And like right. and it, you're just trying to like. Um, jump sales and it's just like instead of just being like a good writer like Alfred serves a purpose and it's just like without Alfred a lot of things don't happen and I think it's kind of ridiculous it's like it's almost irritating like and I, I see what you're like you're like oh like because you, like, you're, you're a massive Bat fan but I'm just like eh it's just stupid it's like what I mean the death in general is that what we're talking yeah. about yeah to me, it's like the death in general is stupid. It's like it's it's kind of like it's a waste. It's it's just not. It doesn't like, and I I don't even care about Damien. Like, oh, you killed Damien, okay? Like, it's like you, you know, Tim Drake or I mean, Jason Todd died. No, that was a big deal. Like, the fans voted to kill Jason Todd. Right. I was like, that was a big deal because everyone Jason Todd to die because he sucked. <laughs> yeah, you know he was, what I mean, like he's pretty rough. Even now, he's still kind of rough. He's better now, but yeah, he was. But it's just like, but leave him rough. Cool. Leave yeah. him rough. You know what I mean? It's just like, but like, there's only like, there's kind of only one, like, one death in comics that, like, is untouchable. That's like, that's Uncle Ben. You know, it's just like, and it's just like, I think Alfred will be back eventually for there's some weird, will they make him like, Killer Croc Alfred that like he has some sort of like thing that they raise him in the sewers and he's like oh I'm Alfred all over again I, I don't know like and they they made him like part of like I, I I just I don't know man like I just think I think it's to reach so that's why like I'm not overly emotional about it like and I know that you're like it's a, it's a well written book I'm not gonna take the I'm not gonna take anything away from the writing of the book and the art of the book like I don't want to take anything away from that I, I'm giving it a four and a half like it's very high score but I'm just saying this that like I think that it's a reach and I think that they're trying to boost sales and they're trying to make this book worth more just because they're like oh we're going to squeeze this in here right we're going to slide this in here under everybody's nose and be like oh we have this book that's worth all this money and then it's like it's going to get all this aftermarket value and that's the kind of crap that drives me bonkers just like like I would love to say swear words right now because it's like (laughs) It's, it's effing stupid is what it is. It's like, it's like, oh, cool. Like, but Alfred serves a purpose. Right. So then figure it out. What are you going to do after that? Because you've taken Barbara out of the equation. You've miraculously cured her crazy spinal problem where she got shot by the Joker. And now she's just normal again. And then all of a sudden kind of a high school kid again, but not really. Because she's like, she's Dick's age. Right. She's actually older than Dick, weirdly. As far as hierarchy is concerned, yes. No, but she's actually, actually, like, she's yeah. older than Dick. Well, yeah, there's stories when age-wise. she was, was taken And, and care Dick's, of like, yeah. an adult. Right. Like, I think that, like, the biggest, my biggest, like, I'm, I'm through and through heart and heart, like, I'm a DC fan. Like, that's, that's where I truly love and, like, that's what, what comic book wise, that's where I, I came on board. Like, I'm a Superman fan. So, the new 52 Superman, I thought was stupid. He was just like this dark and brooding and like, oh, I'm this alien. Like, he's not Martian Manhunter. Sorry, he's not. Yeah, that's that, why we're back to having classic Superman. That's yeah, why. They, finally. Finally, yeah. But, like, but, Tim Drake. I'm a Tim Drake fan. Right. And. 
Tim feels like Tim in this book. And Finally, Tim's coming back to Tim. Right. Like, but it took how many years, though, dude? Yeah, a better part of five and a half during no, the 52. No, it's been like almost ten years. Yeah. During the, when they got the third volume of Titans, he started acting like Tim Drake again. Kind of. Yeah. And like, but like Young Justice has been going on now but for they, a year, and he's definitely Tim Drake in that. Yeah, but it's just like, I mean, you're... At what point is he Tim Drake again? Like, he was, like, he was just a regular dude that moved to next door to, like, Bruce Wayne, and he was just like, what's going on next door? Like, I'm so, I mean, and he was just... He's just a smart kid. You know, and then, like, he figured it out because he's just that intelligent. Right. And then, like, his dad got killed by Captain Boomerang, and it's just like, that all went away. And then, like, he was just like, he was just some kid. He was just like, oh, whatever. Well, the new New 52 version, he's more of a... And New 52, like... Smart mouth type. We dropped the whole, like his whole, almost his whole backstory. We dropped. Yeah, they take away how brilliant he is. Right, and and that and that's same with like, I don't know, with all of it. I mean, cool. I mean, Nightwing's great. He's the first Robin. He deserves everything that he gets. And like there, his new story of like, well, he got he's this and that, whatever. And like he doesn't remember things. Cool. It's it's an interesting story. Like I'm glad they're doing something with him. But I'm just saying that. There's other characters in the Batverse, like Cassandra Kane. Like, where's Cassandra Kane? Like, no. what about her her relationship with Alfred? Where's that at? Because you know, like, there's I have issues of comics where like Alfred knew how to speak with her when she didn't know how to speak at all. Right. You know, like in like before Batman figured out how to speak with her, and it's like, where's that at? You know, like you're not doing just dessert to like characters who mattered, and Cassandra Kane was brilliant. Yeah, and where like, she where she lands as orphan right now is not is not horrible, but the backstory for her and I think the new fifty two I think the biggest damage done has been to the Batverse, and not in a positive way. Like because at first they're like at, at the beginning of the new fifty two, the Batverse was the least touched by it. It's the most affected by it because they haven't adjusted it because they're like we'll leave it alone, we'll leave the Batverse alone because the Batmanverse is so massive and so profit making. But now it's coming back to bite him in the ass because it's like it's not it's they're not fixing things the way they should have. You know, certain characters still haven't haven't got the light that they need. I mean, we finally got Stephanie but, Brown back, so that's but good. a lot all of them, dude. Like they really all of them. Like I mean, yeah, Nightwing's kind of like the only one really. Like I mean, there's like Barbara's just kind of like oh, she's like you said like. She's all, all she's fixed. Well, yeah, she did all this training. She did all this. Uh, no, dude. She was literally in a wheelchair for two decades. Oh, yeah. She was literally in a wheelchair. Her name was Oracle. She created the Birds of Prey. She was like the f- brains of for Batman. Right. She like, she, everybody like connected through her. And she was like, she is an amazing character. And I was like, oh, no, she's just Batgirl again. Wait, wait, what? Yeah, New Fifty Two is. Who's to say that she even want would want to be Batgirl again after all that? After she's established everything and like her brain is so powerful and what she does and who's to say that she would even want to be that again? The Joker shot her in the spine, right? Paralyzed her. They did do some stories where they went over her and decided whether to be that or not. I just I don't I don't buy it, man. I just I think that DC has really done a disservice to the Batverse. By how they've done things. And like by killing Alfred, I think it's a money grab and I'm disappointed in it. And then this is what I'm gonna say about it. It's not it's not a good sell. 
it's not good. I, I think what they've done, it's a disservice to a character. When when Superman died, when Superman died, it was it was an event, right? Okay, it was an event, and I I'll, and I'll give you this: Superman is the greatest superhero of all time. He really is. Like everything, like every, he's the greatest superhero of all time. But I'll but I'll say this though: Batman's a close second, and without without Alfred, they're almost because he raised Bruce. He right. raised he made the Batman. And so it's like he helped make, he helped keep Bruce human. And so by killing him and just doing it such a like blah way, it's just a disservice to a character that's been so amazing for so many years, like decades, man. Right. Decades. And in the books, he's just been like eternal. Oh, yeah. He was one that could, he's the one that tamed Damien. Yeah. The untamable demon boy. And he like tamed him, you know, like. I don't know. Like it bugs me. This, this, you're emotional about it, but I'm irritated about it. Like it's just like, I don't. I'm not even a. I'm not even a Batman guy. I'm just like this is stupid. I'm irritated with DC for like even allowing this to go the way that it went. It's. Right. I think it's stupid. It's. It, I mean, the issue was written well. Sure. But the fact that this is even an issue is stupid. That's my point. Right. I feel what you're saying. Now I'm gonna leave it at that. Okay. Let's move on to something lighter. How about how I do some Gwen Stacy from the uh, Marvel comics? This is uh, Todd Knock doing the art on it. I, I like him a lot. I think he's fantastic. Art's great. Because some Harry Osborn, weirdly, different high school than uh, Peter Parker went to, it seems. Because they, uh, yeah, I'm not sure about it. But Gwen Stacy running for class president. And Harry Osborn, um, her campaign manager, I'm like, you need to do this, you need this. And like, all of a sudden, some jock guy's like, ah, come here, give me some sugar. And she's just like, smashes a pie in his face. And it's pretty funny when she, yeah, the way she dealt with them. Yeah, because the guy's being all creepy, fuck. Like, like, not fun, like, hashtag me too style. Like, just like, real creepy. Like, Grabby, super super aggro type, grabby, yeah. handsy, like alpha male, like whatever, and then it goes to basically your stereotypical vaudevillian, like um, gangsters, com- comic book stereotypical gangsters, like mm-hmm. the big brute, like the the small guy who's the brains, and then like the. Hey, yeah, guy, yeah, yeah. I see what I'm saying. Arr. Oh, yeah, they're definitely 50s gangsters. Well, this book takes place, best we can tell, it's supposed to be taking place back in time when Gwen would have been in high school. So, and if it is a different universe, which is possible, um, that might be part of that too. But this is all not our current Spider Gwen, and it's not a, this is, this is a, like, timepiece wise, this is in the past. I guess it's a uh, Gwen Stacy year one, maybe then. Maybe that, that's that'd be good naming for it. Yeah, if it is the actual same universe, which I mean, it might not be. So these gangsters are talking about like because her dad's you know police chief, yep. like police captain. So she and they're like going to kidnap her and like kind of teach him a lesson. But yeah, she gets home and there's like makes a salad and makes his stuff and like like kisses her fingers and like. You know, says I love you to her mom because her her mom's obviously passed. 
She is down at the police station. I say, I'm here to see my dad. She's like, they're like, oh, just give us the food, we'll do it. And she's like, ah, not to say that I have a lack of trust, but I have a lack of trust. So I'm just going to take it to myself, which, you know, I don't blame her. Right. Um, so yeah, the whole salad and everything she was cooking was to take dinner to her dad. And there's two, and there's two women who are, they, they're, they seem to be major characters in this arc. I don't know who they are. I don't, yeah, I don't know um, enough about, I don't, I don't know if they existed before or not, but yeah, they're, there are two other detectives that are supposed to be working with her dad. But she goes in to see Michael Keaton, basically. <laughs> it's not Michael Keaton, but it's like, kind of. Kind of. But kind of not. But kind of. But kind of not. Because he never becomes the vulture. But um, he's like doing research on the Lucky Lobo gang. And she's just like, ah, here's your dinner. Like, I brought you food. And she's like, yeah, you should do some homework. And um, he's like kind of help, having her help him, like trying to break this case. Right, and he's. I mean, I think she kind of figures it out. Right, while she while she's doing her homework, she's also paying attention to what Dad's doing and right. looking for the weakest link of this chain of gangsters and how to get one to turn on the others. And yeah, she basically helps him decide like the best way to try and approach it. So him and the two women, the dad and the two women, go out on a stakeout, and so she's supposed to go home, but her boyfriend, who's like. High school basketball like, guy? captain yeah. athlete guy like like he picks her up and, then, and he, she's kind of like ah, I'm just worried about my dad he's like well just, I'll take you to the library like cool like we'll just we'll go there and then in the background you see Peter Parker studying advanced adhesives so Spider Man how studying. to stick to things right. Even though, like, if this is an alternate universe and she becomes Sp- Spider Gwen, that'll never, that doesn't even matter. Uh, Maybe it does. Who knows? Yeah, Gwen's universe is, Spider Gwen's universe is different than this one. But is but, yeah, it, though? It is. But is it? It is. But is it? It is. So anyway, um, they make out, whatever, and then the da- it flashes to the dad, and he's, like, at this place called Papa's Imports, and, like, walks in, and... He's there because this is the dude he's gone to try to shake down and get to turn on turn on the other two gangsters. There's three of them that are in basically fighting for leadership of the gang. And the weakest of the group, Gwen tells him that you can't go to him because he'll just lie to you. And eventually then she helps him decide which one to go after. So him and the ladies have gone to this meet where this fellow who's decided to turn state's evidence to keep himself from going to prison is going to help Stacy take down the rest of the gang. And that's where we join him at the warehouse. He's he's there for the meeting with the dude to get the information to be able to use it against them. So somebody shoots somebody, and then somebody shoots somebody, and then like, all, basically, Captain Stacy has a a, a gunshot wound to his leg. So the two women run in, and then like wh- whoever supposedly shot at him is dead, and they take him to the hospital. And like somebody tell Gwen, um, she rushes to the hospital. Two women are there. They're like trying to like, break it down, basically like. Well, supposedly what it seems like, you shot this guy dead before he shot you, and it was just a reaction. So basically, you're you're being framed, kind of, for, for the murder this, of the this guy. guy's death, yeah. and like all all of it like shows you as being like all this dirty cop stuff. And he's like, "What? What are you talking about?" And they're like, "If you resign now, it'll all go away." And he's like, mm, "Can't do that." Right. And so then, like. The leader of the, hey, you know what I'm saying? Hey, yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that, that gang, like they're like 
coming up behind him, and then, like, the big guy is like, oh, I'm gonna pound this candy machine, and when Gwen Stacy's buying a big candy, just to, like, show that he's a, he's around. They're basically there to intimidate the father and try and force him to quit. And so, and so he's like, oh, I guess I'll quit then, and so he's like, yeah, yeah, I think I'm just gonna quit anyway, even though at first he was like, yeah, like, I didn't do anything wrong, but now he's like, I gotta protect my daughter. So, and then, um, she's sitting outside, and, like, the high school jock guy and, like, Harry Osborne are, like, they're hanging out there, and he's just like, um, well, you know, what's going on, blah, 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 and she's like, my dad won't fight this, so I'm gonna, and then they're both, they're both like, wait, what? Bum, bum, bum. And then it goes through, like, a really random scene, which I thought was, like, kind of out of the blue random, which is, like, the Green Goblin and I don't know. The, the, the other guy's Crime Master. That's his name, but another gangster type dude. Fifties gangster, I don't know. Yeah. Kind of random. Well, this is out of the next day. Clearly, the yeah, but kind of random. Uh-uh. You well, could you, you could have built up to that. Kind of random. Let's call him Headman because Headman was like a, a he looked very similar in the GI Joe verse. Oh, and at one point, and, and at one point, Marvel Comics ran G.I. Joe. So let's just call this guy Headman. So Headman and Green Goblin. Okay. Hey, you see what I'm saying? And Green Goblin's like, yeah, 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 Oh, my God. The, the, the other guy's Crime Master. Headman, yeah. basically. Okay. He's twirling his mustache. But he's got a mask pe- on. Tying okay. people to the railroad tracks. Sure. <laughs> All right, Josh, what do you, what, score-wise, what do you got for that book? You know, I'm going to break it into two things. I'm going to break it in. I like the art. Um, I give the art a four. I give the story one and a half. So combined, I give it a two and three quarters. Here's why. Kind of a weak story. It's like you're making her into some Scooby-Doo sleuth. She's not. You're taking her out of like the same high school she went to, that, that she went to with Peter Potter. Peter Parker, you're taking away her, her history. So obviously she's at a different high school. Cause like they, they talk about Flash Thompson, who's at a different high school. Oh yeah. So she's done at the same high school. So you're changing history. Don't like that at all. So I get like a, what did I say, one and three quarters? Sure. It was two something, but it doesn't, that's fine. Two and a quarter? Maybe. Well, I think by the end of the week, we're going to find that this is a different universe. I mean, there's a backup story in the back of this that I don't know if it's going to lend to connect directly to this segment or not, but it has like the Gwen Avengers, or there's different versions of Gwen as all the different Avengers. Which, and then a cable. Whenever, of her. whenever Gwen Stacy became like the super popular thing is beyond me because like, I don't know, I just, I'm not into it. Like, it's sure. ridiculous. Like, I've always, I've always been a bigger fan of Mary Jane Watson anyway. <laughs> yeah, as and, far as I, and I think Spider-Man would have never came to his. F- I mean, I know that his uncle Ben dying created the whole with great power comes great responsibility. But right. like, when Gwen died, he finally was like, no it's, more. It's a yeah. never going to ever be about me again. It's always only about saving the innocent. Right. And so, like, I think when you take that away from it. Like, I'm like, oh, she's not quite dead. Maybe, like, she wouldn't have had an affair with Harry up. I was like, what? Yeah. Shit. You know, there's just so many weird Gwen Stacy things over the years. I'm just like, eh. There's some weird clone stories and weird 
kids out of nowhere stories. We don't talk about those because they don't matter anymore. And the, she had an affair with Harry's dad, like, basically yeah, Green Goblin. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, can you imagine, like, the really, really pretty girl from Spider-Man 3, like, having an affair with, like, Willem Dafoe? No, I can't. It's weird. <laughs> it's just weird. You know what I mean? It's just like, Funny. it's like a 40-year age difference. It's it's creepy and weird, man. That's why we don't talk about it anymore. No, and that's why like, it's... In the still, comics either, yeah. We don't talk about that. that and Peter's parents working for the Red Skull. We don't talk about that either. Because it was a bad idea. So we don't talk about yeah. it. Well, as far as book in general, I mean, I thought it was fun. I mean, it is cutesy. As far as universe is concerned, I guess we'll see where it lands as a thing. I mean, it's a miniseries, so I assume whatever the chase in the middle is is going to explain that out. And if this is an ultimate reality where Gwen never had to deal with the idea of Spider-Man or any of that, it does make for an odd place in the world. Like, cool. what's the point? And if, and, if, and if Spider-Man never becomes a thing, cool. But here's the deal. You put him in there. Right. And he's studying advanced adhesive. So yeah. obviously... At some point, it's got, it makes sense for him to be. Yeah. The idea that, that the whole school thing, I mean, that that is in there to tell us that this is not the same not the same Gwen that we're used to. Which is weird because, you know, it's it so weird. I don't, little, I don't know, man. Odd. It's so weird. Because like, at first I thought that, like, the, the gropey guy was Flash Thompson, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I feel you. So I'm just like, wait, what? Very... So like, she's at a completely different high school. Yeah, because they like they talk about like the rivalry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, between. So I was, so I was just like, wait, what? Yeah, I know. Whatever. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. The, the cover art's cool. The in- internal art's cool. Like, I mean, the writing isn't bad. Right. I mean, Krista's Gage, good writer, but yeah, the concept of the story in general is bizarre. Like, yeah. we needed kind of yeah. odd. It's like it's very seventies, like. Very seventies cop drama. Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see. But as a thing, I mean, it's the first issue, and I do like Gwen Stacy. So, but yeah, book wise, I give it a two. So we'll see where it goes. Cool. I do like Todd Knock a lot. Not a lot. He's awesome and a really cool guy. He's been cosplaying Peter Parker from the uh, Spider Verse, and he looks surprisingly perfect. Like Jay Johnson. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, okay, so we got an interview to run from, uh, from Dan Connor. So I'll go ahead and run that for you guys now, and then, uh, we'll be back in a second. Alright, this is Steve at South on Comics Podcast, and I'm here with... I'm Dan Connor, coming, uh, I'm out of Denver, passing through on my way home from Imperial Valley Comic Con. All right, and Dan, company-wise, uh, who are you working for right now? Yeah, I am working for Tokyo Pop. I am doing colors and some of the drawing for Nightmare Before Christmas, Zero's Journey. I'm actually working on the last issue of this first uh, twenty-issue run. Which, when they first, when we were first talking about the series, um, and they said it was going to be twenty issues, I was like, "It's like that's a long launch for a limited series um, to do 20, 20 issues." And I wondered if, you know, if they might be. Like a lot of books these days, you know, stopped in the middle and restarted with a number one after ten issues or something, and it didn't. Any more lengthy series don't exist. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, what was it, one of the Spider-Gwen titles or something? Like, one year, it had two number ones in the same year, so it's, like, so hard for people to, like, Spider-Gwen number one, okay, what year? 2015. 
okay, what month? <laughs> you know. Right. So, uh, but yeah, but I'm working on the 20th issue. Um, it's technically issue 19 because the first issue is issue zero. Um, so I'm, I'm wrapping that one up, about halfway done with it. And then I'm doing um, Ninja Turtles covers for IDW, um, to, for store exclusives for those, essentially. Um, and I have another one of those coming out this month uh, here in February. That's going to be the um, Jenica number one, Ninja Turtles, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Jenica number one. Right. Um, that'll be coming out, I think, the last week of this month. I've done a cover for... Issue 101 of Turtles of the main series last month, and then I have my own series, My Gal the Zombie, that I work on. It's kind of uh, it's kind of like uh, Bewitched if there was a zombie instead of a witch, and I like that series because I've been able to release um, issues or books with a few different publishers, but I, I can kind of do whatever I want with that one. Um, so so I've got that too. Mostly what I'm promoting uh, as I as a guy go around, and I always I'll get little gigs here or there, cover you know short story here or there, but yeah, mostly those those books, Nightmare. Uh, turtles and my Gal zombie. Right on. Well, then, like, how did you? I mean, how did you? What made you decide to do comic books? Like, how did you get to where you're at? What do you? You know, where did you start? It's a good question. Uh, so I let's see. I I've was always a fan of like I liked you know Saturday morning cartoons and you know there were in, in the 80s and such you, we had stuff like Turtles or even the older Spider-Man cartoon and, and in the 90s um, you know Batman uh, of course I would watch before the Batman the newer the newer the 90s Batman cartoon <laughs> right. I would watch the uh, Adam West um, Batman and oh, yeah, Batman 66 one of my favorites man yeah, that was my introduction to Batman. Um, and even, even like, I remember the Batman movie coming out. I was I was young at that time. I didn't see that. I, I was, even around then, I was watching the um, the Adam West uh, cartoon. Um, so I was always into, into stuff like that. And then I really started drawing a lot, probably in kindergarten. Um, I would draw, like, turtles and turtle rip-off characters. And then in X-Men rip-offs. <laughs> and... Uh, and then I started. Oh, I started actually drawing like comics in elementary. Um, then in high school, I started doing web comics. And right after high school, um, I finished a semester early, and I'd been reading some books by from Eric Press, um, who's been putting out some really great stuff recently as well. Oh yeah. Um, so I I'd been reading some books from them, and I realized when I lived in San Antonio at the time. Um, I would always, I would always read the credits of comics. Even like I'd have some friends that read comics who'd be like, "Oh, what do you think of this artist?" They'd be like, "I don't pay attention to that." So I would always read the credits, and I always would read even, you know, where companies were located and such. And I noticed that Eric Press was where I lived in San Antonio, and so I gave them a call and I asked if they needed a janitor, and they said they did not, but that they did internships. And so, um, so I, I tried to find something where there was a, a potential where there was not a need. <laughs> and um, and then I got to do that, so I started to get to work on comics. It was mostly production and just, where like, uh, not warehouse, uh, like bullpen-type stuff, you know, moving boxes when the shipments come and stuff like that. Um, I started doing that right out of high school and started doing some more of my own things. I did some work in their annuals, like the Ninja High School annuals that they would put out. Oh, yeah, where, sure. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, then fans could submit stories. I'd actually submitted them before I'd, uh, I did the internship as well, and they ended up running that one when there was space for it. Um, and so I, I, I was doing that and, and uh, working a few different jobs. And let me see. So I started doing My Gal the Zombie in... 2013, which that was the first book that of my own um, that people were 
you know, that, that I would go to a convention and people would buy it a lot. <laughs> um, so that, that was a big jump for me. I had done some writing before that. Connected with Anarchic Press for a company called Abdo that would mostly have books like in libraries, they were not distributed to comic shops. Like, they weren't through Diamond at all. So, like, they're on Amazon and such. Um, but I did some adaptations writing for, um, for Dracula and A Picture of Dorian Gray and some, some other books. Actually, Chris Allen, who's gone on to work on um, Guardians of the Galaxy for Marvel, he drew the pictures of Dorian Gray that I wrote. And then Rod, yeah, and then Rod Espinosa, who, um, he's just done a ton of books. He did for Dark Horse, uh, Courageous Princess, and now he's doing, um, he's doing a book for Action Lab. So he did the Dracula that I, um, that I wrote. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that was really cool. From there, I started doing some of my own books, working with some other publishers and, su- and such as well, until I started doing My Gal the Zombie in 2013. And, um, and then I'd still continue doing stuff with, with AP over the years, uh, mostly just short things. Um, and, uh, and then that My Gal the Zombie went pretty well. We did a, we started doing a horror host TV show which I don't do a ton of episodes up, but still uh, airs on some online outlets like, um, let's see, horrorhost.net, it's aired on, and then, uh, let's see, the Monster Channel on Roku and online. And oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, so it works out really well. Um, and then the Denver um, the Denver Community Media with Comcast Cable, you have to be... You have to have Comcast, and you have to be in the Denver city limits. <laughs> but yeah. it airs on that as well. We just take old monster movies and make jokes, and we do comic reviews, and... And um, different short, you know, segments and things yeah. like that. So yes, yeah, so we do those. Um, from there, I was able to. Um, I started coloring some books like Pink Panther and Three Stooges for American Mythology. Yeah. And um, and then from there, I was able to get some work with Tokyo Pop coloring Nightmare Before Christmas. That was almost not quite two years ago that I, that I started talking with them. Um, the book. Oh, wait, maybe almost, not quite three years ago, I started talking with them. The first issues came out about two years ago, almost two years ago, on Free Comic Book Day in May of 2018. And then I was able to start doing some Turtles covers um, with some store exclusives. And um, and then I just did issue 101. I did with my friend uh, Rich Horn and his website. Uh, but those are of uh, t- tmnt-ninjaturtles.com. Um, but those issues are just available for me, so I've got that run. And um, I'll have, let's see, uh, Ninja Turtles Jenica number one comes out later this month. I think I already mentioned that. So, yeah, that's kind of what I'm up to these days. Yeah. A little bit of, little bit of all of that, and, and hopefully more after this run of Nightmare Before Christmas ends, hopefully we'll get everything in order to do some other other stuff. You know, it's always about the approval process. <laughs> well, yeah, and dealing with Disney and with Amitokyo Pop, you've got a two, two hoops to jump through to get there. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. So... So yeah, always it's it's first getting working with Tokyo Pop kind of in house, and then they pass it on. So you're exactly right, and and that's why for me, like anything that's approved, like that's very validating because it's one thing. Like if I'm just doing my own comic, like my Galva Zombie, and I go to a convention and someone buys it, that's great. They bought it, and right. I, that that's that's thrilling on its own. Um, but for some projects that you have to get approved in house and by the licensor. Um, you know, it has to pass through. So it may, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely encouraging because then I'm like, okay, you know, uh, you know, this, this, this went through multiple channels and they printed it. So right. it's, it's always like, uh, I guess so. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's definitely a different place to be at with stuff. I mean, as far as, like you said, the approval process there is way different than doing it yourself. Oh, completely. I it's mean, it's such a different game. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Well, as far if people want to get stuff 
Uh, do you have a website? Yeah, yeah. So, um, just for me personally, for like freelance work and such, um, ConnorComics.com, C-O-N-N-E-R, Comics.com. Um, and then Crazy Good Comics is kind of what I publish. That's the brand that I like publish through uh, for My Gala Zombie and such. So, that's CrazyGoodComics.com. And then I'm at CrazyGoodConnor, C-O-N-N-E-R, C-R-A-Z-Y, G-O-O-D-C-O-N-N-E-R. Um, on most social media, Instagram, Facebook, um, right? Twitter. So you want to find Twitter or whatever? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. So uh, and from there, I have uh, let's see, crazygoodcomics.storeenv.com is where I have like books available that people can order, and also Dan Connor Comics on Facebook. So that's a lot of it, but I respond to all of them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you travel around, do shows and conventions and stuff too. So yeah, depending on where you're at, you can probably find them at a con. Yeah, I try to get around. I try to do. A, I try to schedule a con every weekend. Of course. I don't get one every weekend, but I try to schedule one every weekend. And then um, now what I'm doing is trying to um, trying to set up at different stores along the way. So that's exactly what? what I'm doing here, and, yeah. and it gets me meeting people. And I like just seeing shops, like just seeing all the different shops in different different places. And like I really, I really like this store. I mean, you guys have like I just love how there's so much everywhere. Like there's if you haven't been to the store and you're listening. Um, there's there's just comics upon comics upon comics. I mean, I I can't think of many things from the past ten years that's not at a moment's notice. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. We try to have a lot for everybody, but it can be daunting. So oh yeah, you know. Oh, yeah. So what is your go-to karaoke song? Oh, I don't know. I haven't done karaoke in a long time. Um, probably something by the Ramones. Maybe like maybe like. Uh, Pet Cemetery. I would sing that. Oh, man, yeah. That'd be good. All right. Yeah, Pet Cemetery, if they had it. <laughs> right. Well, I would say this is an infinite playlist, so it's whatever you... Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Well, I'm sure someone, even if they didn't, they could just pull it up on YouTube or something. Right, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery's a good one. That'd be good. Buddy Ross will love that. He's a Ramones guy. Right on. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So if you were stranded on a deserted island, and you only take five items with you... What five items would you take? So it's a dessert island? D- no, dessert I'd take some pie. No, man, there's different things that say that. Okay, so five items on a deserted island. Yes, sir. Well, I'd definitely take a Bible, honestly. Okay. I would, I would definitely take a Bible. Um, that would, I think, I could stay focused on the deserted island, and it's also quite long. <laughs> so, That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. true so, words, yeah. Yeah, so I would definitely, I would definitely do that. Definitely do that. Um, I would take... Shoot. Okay, because I wouldn't want things that could be used up. So if I was on a deserted island, I guess I would just try to find... I wouldn't take any drawing materials because those would those would be used up. So I'd probably just try to draw in the sand with my fingers. So um, if it's a deserted island, then there would probably... I'd take a knife, for sure. I would definitely take a knife um, because even if that knife wore down, while it was wearing down, I could maybe make a dagger out of something. Sure. Um, Practical uses, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So I take a knife. Maybe I could learn how to, to hunt fish with that because like, I'm thinking like a fishing pole. You know, maybe that. You know, it's, I don't know if that would be self-perpetuating. Um, I would take a generator power source and a self-repairing 3D printer. No, that way yeah. I could make yeah. whatever I wanted, and um, then I could 3D print new parts if needed, and a computer to power it. So Bible knife. 3D printer, computer, and power generator. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, <laughs> that's good. What I yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is, is an option for anything. So yeah, yes. yeah. Because they're talking really about like on Mars, like sending up um, like drones with 3D printers that can 
that are solar powered. Or actually, if I did that, I wouldn't need the generator. So I'm going to scratch my generator. Solar powered 3D printer. Ah, okay. Um, and uh, and then the fifth thing, um, I'm sure it would just be something with, uh, amongst those. Maybe it would be another component of the computer. But yeah, so that's what I would take. But yeah, this we're talking about. They're talking about like self-perpetuating 3D printers that if they if if a part breaks on Mars, they can fix themselves. Yeah, that they wow. could. That it could. Um, it would be like they would have to have enough AI or enough remote control that it could then print its new parts and then it would be able to have the right accessories to re replace it. Right. And then it would just use, then it would take the, the old stuff and they would, that's how it would make new material is, is with, its, it would recycle its mm. own parts. It's kind of brilliant actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I, th I mean, they're in production I think to some degree, but, but that's what I hear they want to do in space is send off stuff that can, that's self-maintaining. That's cool. Yeah, so I would just take that. All right. <laughs> Last one. So if you lived in fantasy land, would you ride a chocolate pony? No, not at all. Because it's melty, right? Yeah, no, I wouldn't want to ride that. Because, yeah, it would be really messy. I would eat it. I would eat a chocolate pony without riding it. I would just eat it. <laughs> right on, man. I'd be in a chocolate puddle. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, thanks for taking the time to tell us, Dan. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, love it. Thank you. Good stuff. I appreciate it, too. Thank Dan again for stopping in the store and hanging out for a little bit. Did a couple some autographed stuff and fun time. As far as uh, books, if you want to check out his stuff, um, like the, the interview said, I mean, Tokyo Pops, Zero's Journey, and uh, he's got some variant covers coming out for uh, um, TMNT, the Jenna number one. So I guess keep your eyes open for that. Um, all right. Well, from there... The oh, action figure, yes. So, CBS and me are kind of working on this new thing. Um, check it out, hopefully. The we'll first work. one is up. It is up, but it's not up, up. Like, we're like, mm -hmm. we, we put it out there. So, just get, get, so take a watch. Just let us know what you think. Like, we, um, we did review a few other things in previous episodes, but here's the thing. There's a bunch of stuff coming out soon and we're trying to like stay on the board with that, but we're doing a new mini, a, a new mini, mini cast is what I would like to call it. Um, video wise. And it's called action figure deconstruction. Right. And so, um, this is the first time we're actually just like straight up talking about it. And so the first episode we did was a, um, Crossfire, uh, gosh. Joy Toy. Joy Toy. And yeah. we did a Joy Toy Crossfire SWAT figure. We have a couple, we have like several new figures lined up to do and stuff, but, um, because we're not, I don't want to just like do the figure on here and then not be able to do it on there. We want to like tease it a little bit, but, but if, and if you're in the whole action figure realm, understand this, that something crazy is getting ready to happen. Um, and if you love action figures in any way, shape or form, this is, this is a massive news release. And I want to leave this at the end that like GI Joe is Hasbro is doing a six inch line for the GI Joe figures. Um, GI Joe, will it be a six, six inch figure line, Marvel legends, DC 
what are they called? DC, like, Legends? I don't know, not DC Legends, but like DC, whatever. I don't, I don't remember what the DC one's but called. But anyway, um, that six inch line, like, I mean, Power Rangers have it. Um, it's kind of like the new hip Star line. Wars, Star Wars Black. Actually. Star Wars Black. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, Star Wars Black six inch because there's Star yeah, Wars Black. Both. Yeah. 118 scale as well. But, um, it's kind of a big deal. And they released, like, what, Snake Eyes will look like the, that figure, but that's all I've done. Right. So, I don't know. But uh, upcoming, I'm going to tease it a little bit. So I have, um, we have Planet Green Valley is coming out. Um, George Hoy has more figures coming out. Marauder Task Force has some World War II figures coming out. Um, Acid Rain has some new figures coming out. And also, um, there is a, they're not out yet, they're not released, pre-order is still, it was a, uh, like Pre-sale? a, a crowd-funded, like a, oh, okay. like that kind of thing with like Eagle Force, um, which was a, it kind of went hand-in-hand hand with G, like G.I. Joe very early on, but it was like, they did like a little bit smaller. Okay. But, um, yeah, like, uh, Captain Eagle was like the main character, he was like this or like Captain Hawk looking guy with the eye patch, but like a, it's a they're doing like a one eighteen scale line, and it was crowdfunded. That's and, cool. And they, they're coming out, but the the boss fight people are kind of just helping everybody out because it's they've been over in China, they've been going through dealing with factories, dealing with like the molds, and like that. so there's a there's a ton of like. Um, if you're a big G.I. Joe fan like I am, there's a lot of people mad that there's like not going to be a bunch, a bunch of 118 scales G.I. Joe stuff coming out anymore. Right. So here's the deal. They've made like modern era style. They pretty much made everything. Um, old school style, they've made everything. So it's all there already. Like there's very few characters that they haven't made, blah, 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 blah. So doing it in the 112 scale, that's the next thing. Cool. Do it. But if you love 118 scale, there's a million companies doing a million different things that are really amazing. Like I said, I'm going to reiterate it one more time. We got Planet Green Valley. We have Marauder Task Force. We have Boss Fight. We have um, Joy Toy. We have um, Eagle. Uh, what did I say? Eagle Force? Yes. There's just so many. Like I mean, and uh, um, and then Boss Fight. Individually, they have a, they just got the, they have the Sam and Max line. They have, um, they just got, uh, Flash Gordon. There's just so much coming out in that scale that it's just like insane. There's this like amazing future for that, that line. So if you're discouraged, like the no new GI Joe stuff, like in that line and that scale, there's a lot of cool things coming out. So like, Stick around, like, I, um, action figure decon- deconstruction. We're going to really delve into a lot of that stuff. Um, it's going to be really cool. There's a lot of cool stuff coming out. And there's even more. I, ca- I can't even, like, there's even oh, yeah. more. There's, there's a even, ton of different. The acid rain thing. Yeah. Um, acid rain alone. There's, 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 like, there's like, there's like literally, I think I counted earlier today, 15 different companies, small companies that have started that are all small startups that are in, like, independently ran. They're just making amazing things and doing really cool figures, and they all flow together. So, yeah, stick around for that. But also, like, if you're really a one a one twelfth 
person that that's what you collect that you like you like that six to seven inch figure style i mean that that new snake eyes figure that just like the picture i showed you today cbs man man look cool, it yeah. looks good man like it does, it does. like i don't cl- that's not my style but i love gi joe enough like i'm willing to pay the 20 dollars a figure to get to get that stuff you know and it's just like when it comes to the 118 scale stuff like you know we have a new snake eyes movie coming out soon like how many more versions of Destro and Snake Eyes and Duke do we need? You know what I mean? We've we've had so many. Like it's just like at this point they got to switch it up. And I think that the one twelve scale is like the the direction to go to to bring love back to the GI Joe thing. Sure, like we, we got to switch it up. And size wise and nothing else. That's the I think that's the main reason that it's changed. There's I mean Snake Eyes. You can make more Snake Eyes, but they're still going to be. I mean, he's a black-suited ninja, no matter how detailed and awesome he gets, there's he's still a black-suited ninja. It's, you got to so, do something different. Yeah. So, so I get it. I really do get it. So um, I think you kind of heard it here first. Yeah, we were talking about months ago. Like, we have been, so yeah. um, stick around uh, action figure deconstruction. We're going to do some older figures, too, just to, just because because we Cause cool. th- there's a lot of cool stuff going on. Yeah. Like, there's a bunch of new figures coming out, like, so... Um, stick around for that and subscribe, like, listen, do all that kind of stuff. Um, top five comics, um, go in there, check out for all your new top, your, your new comic book needs. All the books we talked about tonight will be there. And there's actually a ton of variants. Like every time I go in, there's like a bunch of variants and like the variant covers. Most of the time are like the better cover. Very rarely have I been like, eh, but like the guardians one is like, yeah, the normal cover is oh, very really rare, very yeah. rare situation, but like, like the the Green Lantern book was amazing. Like there's a bunch of really cool variants all the time. But sometimes I'll just buy a book twice just because I like the variant. Like the, sure. the Superman Christmas one. Oh yeah, like yeah. The Gwen Stacy does have a J. Scott Campbell cover that's pretty impressive. Yeah, and J. Scott, you know, yeah. I mean, he needs to quit being lazy and do <laughs> some internals, but like interior art. Yeah, the dude just is amazing. Yeah, but um, and actually he lives in Boulder. You know that, right? Yep. Anyway. But also, we do have a more um, mature podcast that we do, CBSME, with with another guy called uh, Never Been Done Podcast. Check right. that out. Listen, enjoy, comment, share it, do all those things. Like, cause it like it only helps all of us, right? Because like we're in we're in a day and age where we have the the luxury. Like when you and me were fifteen years old, the internet existed. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't what it is now. No, yeah. And so it's like now it's like man, like instant, like that that Snake Eyes figure was like one person posted it, and right. then all of a sudden it's like everywhere, everywhere. like yeah. Toy News Eye, Histank dot com, like all. I mean, it's like a million different places had it, like pictures of it. It's just like it just instantly. So like, be grateful that like that's there. But on the other hand, support your local because without local, nothing gets done. It won't. It won't happen. Right. So. Like you can order stuff on the internet, but you're going to pay extra, extra, extra <laughs> to support your local. And be like, hey, I like this book. Can you order it in for me? Right. And that's the way it works. Same with action figures, saying all this stuff. Like, just support local. See, uh, what did you learn today, Josh? That's what I learned today. Like, I'm, I'm going to take it a little bit serious today. Because, like, there's some really cool things coming out in the next, like, six months. It's pretty awesome. I'm pretty stoked on it, so... So less than they usually learn there's a new line of G.I. Joe's that were going to be six-inch figures? Just, yeah, just that and just, like, supporting the book because there's, like, really cool, a lot of really cool books coming out. Like, 
sure. New Guardians book's cool. The New Green Lantern book's cool. Like, um, Young Justice is cool. Like, like things like that, that you know, we, we usually go this direction, but man, there's just so much fun stuff. Like, there's so many good artists right now. Like, it's like the bottom of the barrel stuff has gotten so much higher. Like, to be, to get in the comic book artist world, writer, like, man, it's like, Hollywood loves comic books right now. Right. And so it's like, it's just going to continue to be like amazing. So just support it. Be thankful that like, that's where the, that's the real creativity is coming from this, this, this realm. Right. You know, like, I mean, we could, we could talk how many movies that are coming out right now that are like based off comic books that people don't even realize. And so it's, you know, it's TV just, shows and Netflix shows and, and everything. Yeah. So it's like, just be, just be thankful that like, like, wow, I knew that first. Right. Cool. So. Cool. Um, let's see. Well, books to watch. I mean, all the stuff you just said, as far as like series are concerned, I mean, Amazing Mary Jane, I still like a lot. So I'd say if you haven't checked that one out, it's fun. Like, as far as the book's concerned, it's a fun series. We got a new one coming out from, uh, Image here in the next, I want to say the next two months. Well, it, there's always new ones from Image. Uh, real recently, actually, like this month, we had a book called On the Stump. And, uh, the first book, the art looks awesome. It's basically a, a story about if, what would the world be like if your politicians had to battle it out, fisticuff style, to get things done? On the stump, I want to say it's either this week or next week that it comes out. But yeah, that should be awesome. And Sanford Green's Bitter Root has come back. So issue, I think it's issue six came out this week. Uh, if you haven't checked out Bitter Root, it's got some kind of movie deal too. Volume one should be available in softcover now. Uh, but yeah, Sanford's awesome. Art wise, great. It's a it's a cool book. I like it a lot. I think that book wise, I don't I don't know if I had anything else I was thinking about this week that was really awesome. And man, just like just 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 get in line and look at some amazing artists because like Arthur Adams is doing some amazing cover art. Oh yeah, always. And he, and he and he's it's a lot of it's a lot of it's like just variants that'll be in comic like local comic stores. Like oh, yeah. he he did the. Yeah, what's the the Thor crossover, the War War of Realms? War of Realms. Was, yeah, he was doing a, a bunch big, of cover, cover yeah. for that man. Man, his stuff is just incredible. So, like, even if you, I'm, man, wow, oh, yeah. he's fantastic. Yeah. So, I I don't know what to say about that. I'm just like good on him. He's oh, yeah. he's an amazing, incredible artist. Yeah, he's fantastic. So, cool. I think that's it. Well, thanks for listening. I guess to Keith. Mm-hmm. Oh, man.